Did they sleep too long? I need a little time off for bad behavior. It looks like I've been too good for too long. All right, guys, here we go. Sunday, December 18th, 2022. It is BK here. That's right. Coming from San Diego, California, right about 1141 a.m. Please follow me on Twitter for breaking news at Bravo Kilo Actual and check out that Instagram at BK Actual. And guys, before I get into the news, uh, just a couple quick notes. First of all, uh, yes, this is the ultra rare Sunday morning podcast I put out on both those social medias that I would be out of town. I was in Colorado Springs for our brother Josh's uh, pararescue memorial. He sadly passed away, as I told you the other week. Uh, Amazing what they accomplished for this memorial in such a short amount of time. It was held at the Air Force Academy. Uh, We had a flyby going over with jets. I know some of you, I was putting up some pictures uh, on my Instagram. And then afterwards, you know, just going out and getting banged up with all the boys. And uh, it was really good. You know, the silver lining to these things is you know, through our remembrance of Josh, everybody's reconnecting and solidifying the brotherhood. And I know a lot of you guys who've been in the military kind of know what I'm talking about. So uh, it was just a overall really powerful and uh, emotional thing. And uh, we'll be thinking about him. Uh, another announcement, uh, no podcast next week. I went ahead and decided that it would just be too much. But here's another silver lining. I believe I will be filling in for Jesse Kelly. That's right, nationwide. They're actually going to let me have a nationwide audience. And that should be like a day or two after Christmas. I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to keep you guys posted on the social media. And that'll be like a couple days after Christmas. And then it's the year in review on New Year's Eve. So it's a lot going on. So don't fret, uh, but I need some time to prepare for all that stuff. So. Uh, and then quickly, you guys, the Patreon numbers have been telling you I've been trying to get to 600. I'm only 13 patrons away from the, that insane number I thought I would never even get close to, thanks to you guys. So if you ever thought about becoming a patron, patreon.com, type in BK Actual. Okay, guys, here we go. Let's get started, and we'll start in New Zealand. <laughs> this, is, this is so stupid, it hurts. New Zealand is going to ban cigarette sales to everyone born after 2008. Yeah, this is aimed at preventing minors from becoming smokers. Under the new law, which take effect next year, the country's smoking age of 18 would be raised year by year until it applied to the whole population. Beginning in 2023, those under 15 years old would be barred from buying cigarettes for the rest of their lives. Now, this is a result of more than a decade of public health campaigns. Uh, This goes back in 2011, New Zealand first announced its plans to reduce smoking levels to below 5% of the population. And, uh, you know, they targeted that across all ethnic groups, as the New York Times is careful to put out. And uh, it's funny, over the years, the pack of smokes, the price, has been hiked to the highest in the world in New Zealand. A pack of cigarettes costs about $20 U.S. Now... You could argue, of course, prohibition does have effects. Smoking has declined overall. The national smoking rate for adults has halved in the past decade. Only 8% of New Zealand's adult population smoked every day in 2022. Uh, By the end of next year, 90% of the country's 6,000 tobacco retailers will have lost their licenses. Nicotine levels in tobacco and vaping products must be significantly reduced under the new laws, Uh, trying to make them less addictive. 
Violators of the new rules could be fined up to 150,000 New Zealand dollars. That is about 96,000 U.S. A lot of this has been a case made by advocates for the Maori and Pacific Island communities because they say they were those communities were first introduced to tobacco after European settlers in the late 1700s used tobacco to trade goods. And about a quarter of Maori adults smoked every day beginning at age 14. Comparably, they also suffered at higher rates from diseases rel- related to smoking. And... Yeah, this is uh, this it does have some critics. You know, the new law has critics among the kind of the free market guys. And here you go. This is exactly what I was thinking. They argue that the ban would fuel a black market, and all those convenience store owners and tobacco retailers are pretty much going to go out of business if they're only in the business of tobacco. They'll have to do something else. The government actually did acknowledge that despite the public health benefits, the new legislation could contribute to increased smuggling by organized crime groups. It seems like we've learned nothing from prohibition in the 20s, but hey, you know what? Maybe, hey, maybe they're right. I mean, smoking has, as they made it harder to get cigarettes and more expensive, has cigarette smoking declined? It appears so now. That could also be due to just public health campaigns warning about the dangers of smoking. And they do really focus on cigarettes. I mean, the, the last I looked, we had a lot more completely obese people with all the requisite attending problems that that population has. High blood pressure, strokes, arteriosclerosis, heart disease, you know, you name it. A lot more people I see at least in the United States here, than smokers. But nobody talks about that nearly as much as cigarettes. New Zealand is not the first country introducing laws aimed at dramatically reducing smoking. In 2004, Ireland first banned indoor smoking in pubs and workplaces and on public transit. That prompted dozens of countries, including Brazil, Norway, and Uganda, to introduce similar laws. Bhutan country of Bhutan banned cigarette sales altogether in 2005, but they reversed that restriction in 2020 when officials worried that traffickers would fuel outbreaks of the coronavirus. That's hilarious. Well, all right. Well, now now a pack of cigarettes is going to be even more expensive, and um, it will be done through organized crime. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that one. Now we talked about cigarettes. Let's talk about booze. At least 31 dead and 20 people left blind after consuming bootleg alcohol in India. This is like a moonshine liquor. And where is this? Um, It's not very clear, but it says it's in East India in the Bihar state. The deaths were reported in a local government-run hospital where all the families were bringing in their sick relations for treatment. So men that were involved in this incident began vomiting on Tuesday and their conditions further deteriorated overnight. So then, and then several people died on the way to the hospital and local media does put the death toll right now at 31. And then a police spokesman said that, yes, several of the 20 hospitalized have lost their eyesight. Um, the police official went on to say that they had arrested 126 people in the last 48 hours after it was reported. And 
three suspects are being investigated for selling this alcohol. So sales and consumption of alcohol has been banned in that Indian Bihar state since 2016. Those liquor restrictions were put in place after women's groups campaigned against poor workers splurging their meager incomes on drinking. That's that's pretty much exactly not it definitely contributed how prohibition started in America in the 20s. There's a lot of like women's groups. Have you guys seen Boardwalk Empire? Pretty faithful, awesome HBO show, Steve Buscemi. But they kind of showed that a little bit. There was a lot of these women's temperance groups. And they were all like, we want to ban booze because our husbands, you know, work all day. Then they want to unwind with the boys and they're drinking all this shit whiskey and coming home and beating us up and carousing and all that other stuff. So uh, history just repeats itself, right? And again, like we were talking about, bans are enforced in several Indian states. But guess what that has caused? A surge in illegal alcohol sales. Deaths in India, at least, from illegally brewed alcohol are common because the uh, high potency is usually laced with dangerous chemicals or fertilizer. Back in 2019, I don't know if I covered this one or not, but more than 100 people died from bootleg consumed after a funeral. I had to have talked about that one. I don't remember, but I don't think that one would uh, get by me. Uh, let's keep going. Let's go to France. I told you guys a little while ago that that uh, terror trial was going on in about over the 2016 terrorist attack in Nice. And a French court this week did find eight defendants guilty of aiding in that attack, which killed 86 people in Nice. Judges convicted the main defendants, Mohamed Greb and Chokri Shafraud of participating in a terrorist conspiracy and sentenced them to 18 years in prison. Other defendants were found guilty of less serious crimes, such as arms trafficking. Sentences raised, uh, ranged from 2 to 12 years in jail. But the, the irony is, even with the trial over, they don't have a lot of new information about how that attack happened because the main perpetrator, that was Mohammed Bolel, he was killed by the cops. And then all these low-level accomplices basically didn't talk much during the trial. However, the presiding judge said the attack had an obvious jihadist inspiration because of his interest in radical Islam and his determination to kill as many people as possible. That Nice attack was one of the bloodiest in that series of Islamist terrorist assaults in Europe over a span of a few years. You guys remember, I remember they all happened really quick, and it was like just mass hysteria. Uh, we had Paris, Brussels, Berlin, Barcelona. This trial went on about three and a half months. It had hundreds of people taking the stand. And if you don't remember what this attack was, it was the guy who drove the truck through the crowd as he was leaving Bastille Day fireworks. So as they were leaving Bastille Day fireworks. So he managed to kill that many people with just the truck. He, Boulel, the perp, was a 31-year-old Tunisian. And this comes on the heels of the months-long trials in the 2015 Charlie Hebdo attack as well. So these hearings have, as you would expect, kind of correspond with broad social debates over French identity. Like, do we want to have this ideology in our country, but we are a free, supposedly secular country, and we 
can't just you know outlaw religion and it's very been very very tense and everything else so they still have other terrorism trials going on in Europe the trial of the 2016 Brussels bombings which killed 32 people that opened last week in Belgium uh, so they described Boulel in the courtroom the truck driver as a man who suffered from serious psychological disorders, as prone to domestic violence, as obsessed with sex. But none of the testimony undercover, uncovered basically what they thought he did, which was attack in the name of Islam. Although the Islamic State claimed that Bohlel was one of their soldiers, the judge said that there was no evidence that he was actually linked to the terrorist group. Well, probably not, because they're all self-radicalized. I mean, we know this by now. You don't have to have, you're not carrying a card. You know, it says ISIS member since 2012. You just watch YouTube videos. They get passed around wherever, uh, you know, social media. And you self-radicalize, just like we have in the United States with all kinds of different crazy ideologies. So there you go. Some of them indeed got those stiff prison sentences. But uh, they'll probably be let out. Those two guys who were sentenced to 18 years in prison, let's see how much time they actually get, if it's anything like America. Let's stay in France, where a fire over there killed at least 10 people. And this is an apartment building in Lyon, in central France. The 10 people included five children. This fire started about 3 a.m. in a seven-floor building, and over 160 firefighters and more than 60 fire engines responded to this. That's a huge response. It's not clear so far how the blaze had started. Not all of the victims' bodies have been identified, if you can imagine. They do say if they didn't get there as fast as they could, this could have been much worse. The first firefighters got to the scene within 12 minutes of the first emergency call. And prosecutors in Leon have opened an investigation. They are not ruling out any possibility, including a criminal motive. Lyon, if you didn't know, is France's third biggest city, and um, it's uh, th this fire where this happened was kind of a working-class suburb, one of the poorer towns in the region. It has, uh, this, this suburb is, with a poverty rate of 33%. They did say that this fire occurred in a neighborhood where there was 13 other deteriorated apartment complexes in the area. So it was probably just a bunch of, you know, rags and fucking gasoline and shit. They were renovating it, so we'll watch. More deaths. Let's go to Congo. At least 141 people have died in Congo as floods and landslides have hit the capital. Yep, that is the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo, Kinshasa. And this was caused by heavy rains. Those heavy rains in turn caused those floods and landslides. A lot of these neighborhoods are still underwater or in complete ruins. Kinshasa has 15 million people. That is, that if you if you want a comparison, all of L.A. County, which I consider humongous, the population is 10 million, and that's a county. This is a, this is a city of Kinshasa, 15 friggin' million people. Neither nearly 40,000 households were flooded, 
and 280 uh, structures have at least at least have collapsed. The president, Felix, ooh, tough last name, Shisekedi, he was in Washington for a U.S.-Africa summit. I'll have more from on that later. He cut his trip short, and he um, declared three days of mourning, and he's on his way back there now. West and Central Africa have suffered from a lot of devastating floods this year. I've covered a few of them. In Chad, last September, the worst floods in decades displaced thousands there. And in Nigeria, which, if you guys should know by now, is Africa's most populous country, hundreds of people died and a million were displaced after those floods last October. Scientists said in a report last month that the rainy season, which runs from April to October had been 20% wetter than it would have been without climate change. <laughs> that, is, that is unprovable. That is an unprovable statement. How can you prove that? Well, it would have been a lot worse. Well, how do you know that? You, you, it's impossible. to. Pr- this, this is what drives me crazy. You just throw that out and, and they print it. it I, don't, I don't understand how you, how you can say that like without... There's, there's, it's, and you, I'm not even going to say without evidence that you can't provide evidence for that. I don't know. God. Um, more victims are uh, likely to come, sadly enough. So, most, a lot of these houses in Kinshasa are like these informal settlements built near the river. And, uh, you know, you can imagine the river floods and then a landslide start and all those fucking places just get washed away. So, the, Congo, yeah, not good. Let's go to South America. Kind of been talking about this the last couple weeks. Let's go to Peru. You guys remember that the president tried to dissolve Congress, and then they impeached him, and then he was arrested, right? We talked about that last week. So then the new president took over. She was the vice president, and that is Dina Boluarte. And there's been riots going on. Over there, we have more than 20 people dead as of Friday from all these protests. And the death toll, um, as, as it's and the, the protests have been all over, they seem to have been centered, have the protests in the highland city of Ayacucho, where eight people in that one city were killed in fights between anti government demonstrators and military officers. Uh, yeah, there's, there's been two, and Dina, the new president, she's already had two ministers in her government resign and protesters in the street calling her a murderer. So Baluarte has struggled to contain these protests. And again, these were sparked by the downfall of her, her democratically elected predecessor, Pedro Castillo. Again, he tried to seize control of Congress and the courts last week. So now all these protests have closed up you know, regional airports, fucked up roads all over the place. Curfews have been imposed. And they're still struggling to like kind of figure out what's going on because Congress had reject, has already rejected a proposed constitutional reform that Boluarte had hoped would calm tensions, and then clashes resumed. And plus, they're don't really have a visible protest leader, so the government doesn't even know who they're supposed to be talking to other than, like, a screaming mob. And, uh, yeah, this comes two days 
after Peru's government declared a nationwide state of emergency as it sought to tamp down that widespread violence that has followed the ouster of Castillo. Remember, Castillo is a leftist, as I talked about the other week. And Congress is controlled by right-wingers. And Congress had been trying to impeach Castillo for the third time when he tried to dissolve them. So a lot of demonstrators are calling for a new constitution and a return of Mr. Castillo to power. But on Thursday this week, a judge ordered him to remain detained for up to 18 months in jail while prosecutors prepare a case against him for alleged rebellion, conspiracy, and abuse of power. Just a quick review, Castillo had been in office for a little over 16 months when on December 7th he delivered his televised message to the nation announcing the dissolution of Congress, rule by decree and the reorganization of a justice system that had been investigating him for corruption. So then the protesters came out in the streets. They attacked police stations, courthouses, television networks, factories, and they forced the closures of four airports in southern Peru after crowds fucking ran over and took over the runways. Can you imagine this shit? Oh, this, is, this makes January 6th look like fucking nothing, like a town hall. That's how they do it down there, though. Yeah, uh, you know, and Bolarte is also a leftist. She was Castillo's running mate. And she, on Wednesday, authorized the cops to support the... I'm, I'm sorry, she authorized the military to support the police and restoring order. She did suspend some civil liberties, like the right to free transit and assembly. And then on Thursday, she imposed those nighttime curfews in 15 provinces. They are all outside the capital of Lima. Um, she said of the unrest that the protesting had to stop, and she said, quote, let's move forward to have a light at the end of the tunnel, a light of the peace, the hope, and the order that Peru, Peru deserves, essay, end quote. And that's spot on, obviously. They have lifted a few of the roadblocks, but they're still going at it. Yeah, they say at least 32 people have been killed in the unrest or related accidents. So, uh, sprinting on your way to fucking seize the airport runway. Um, yeah, so, didn't see here. Anything else about this? Castillo is the fourth former Peruvian president to be held in some form of pretrial detention in this century. Only one of them, the former authoritarian Peruvian leader, Alberto Fujimori, had, has been tried and convicted. All right. Well, they're not showing any signs of slowing down, so watch that. Let's go to Australia. Talk about this crazy shootout that ended with six people dead, including two police officers. And this was out in the sticks. And I actually talked to an Australian friend of mine, and she gave me a little intel on this. Uh, this is um, Evelyn Ray from, some of you guys might know her from Twitter, Instagram. Uh, she used to be a police officer. And now she's like just a, yeah, she's like commentator and stuff like that. But I talked to her a little bit about it too. So let me go through the story first. And I'll tell you what uh, she said if it's not in here. But yeah, two police officers and a bystander were killed in that shootout that erupted during an investigation into a missing person case in Queensland, that Australian state. And one official described the officers' deaths as ruthless executions. The three other people believed to have been the attackers were later shot and killed by the cops. 
So this was a very remote rural property in the Western Downs area. And this happened after four police officers went to the property in this tiny community about a three-hour drive west of Brisbane called Wyambilla. And they were investigating a report of a missing person who was, the missing person is Nathaniel Train. He's a former school principal from New South Wales. So the officers, I guess, decided they didn't see anybody, so they jumped the fence and were immediately met by a fucking gunfire. So 26-year-old Officer Matthew Arnold and 29-year-old Officer Rachel McCrow were hit and fell to the ground where they, they were shot and killed by three people on the property. It sounds like after they were wounded, they fucking walked up and put the rounds in them. And a third officer... Randall Kirk, 27, he was wounded. He was able to escape and call for backup. And then a fourth officer, 28-year-old Keeley Brow, she had just joined the police force eight weeks ago, took cover in the long grass. They lit the grass on fire to try to flush her out, and she couldn't even like stick her head up because they were just scanning like the top of the grass. It was pretty crazy. Uh, luckily, it sounds like she made it out somehow. A man who lived nearby was the bystander. That was 58-year-old Alan Dare. He just he saw something burning and went to go look at the grass fire, and he was shot in the back and killed. So the people who were believed to have shot the officers, they're not naming them in this story yet, but it's two men and a woman. The three people were heavily armed. They said they had considerable weaponry. Um, officials... Did not release the names of the people killed by the police. Okay, here we go. Australian news outlets reported that two of them were Mr. Train, the missing former principal, and his brother Gareth Train, and then a spokesperson for the New South Wales Department of Education said this week that one of its former employees was among the dead as well. So according to cops, family members in the state had last seen Train, the missing former principal, 46 years old, a year ago, but he maintained contact with them until October. Then they were concerned about his welfare. They couldn't get a hold of him, so they reported him missing. Um, now, here's what's not... So, so here's what Evelyn told me. Uh, basically, one of the things was these cops went out there not knowing... It should have been passed to them that they're going... These, these were all like rookie cops, which was a huge fuck-up. And then she also said... And this is according to her. It's not in the story again. But these, this, the train guy and all these other guys, they were like the people living at the house were like, they were like these sovereign citizen types, you know, like live off the grid. The government doesn't have any authority over me and all that. So, and apparently that was kind of known by the cops. And that's why she told me, like, why would you send like rookies out there with no backup? And, what happened later was after the police response, they sent us some kind of tactical team in there, and that's when they shot and killed everybody. So we'll see if more comes out about that, but that's just what I've, my little insider notes that I've heard. Okay, a lot of death, guys, so let's lighten it up. Let us go to Australia. It's fantastic. A mining worker for the mining giant BHP has been jailed and fired. What did he do? Well, this is 40-year-old Dane Anthony Blowham. He is a father. And 
He worked as a senior electrical inspector. Been there since 2015. He booked an appointment for a massage. Um, and this was actually last year, but um, the, the sentencing just took place. So that's why it's in the news now. So he booked, him, he booked an appointment for a massage at a Mount Hawthorne beauty salon. This is somewhere in West Australia. I don't know where exactly. On September 28th last year. During that appointment, the father of four pulled out some sort of, quote, rigid plastic tool, end quote. He told his 22-year-old victim that it was a massage tool recommended to him by his physiotherapist and asked her to massage his hamstrings and calves with it. But then he rolled over to his side, pulled down his underwear while the woman was holding the device, and then, as she resisted, he pulled her hand towards him, so she was sexually penetrating him with the tool. Oh! This went on for several minutes. Several minutes! Honey, let go of the tool. But yeah, Daily Mail saying it, he forced her to perform this for several minutes. I mean, I get it. You're probably fucking in shock. You're 22. You know, you're not expecting the, the dad to come in and say, fucking, hey, bore me out with this giant plastic device. I get it. Uh, so then he laid on his back before pleasuring himself in front of the woman, who then finally had enough and ran out of the room distressed. Now, did he finish? It's unclear if he finished, but it sounds like he did because he then got dressed, took the plastic tool, and rushed out of the salon. And then the victim informed her boss about the incident. The boss called the police. He was arrested days later. And uh, during the during the trial, uh, first of all, Blowem, the fucking guy who liked getting bored out, was uh, he, he did not per, he did not inform BHP, his boss of his arrest, charge, or court appearance. Uh, but then here's a little nugget buried at the bottom of the story. It came out during the trial that Blowem had also been previously convicted of public masturbation twice in a single year in 2018. Oh, God. I always wonder this about the fathers. You know, guys who have kids, and then they get arrested for something, like, completely insane. Like, these kids, like, you have no idea, dude. But kids out there, young people, you have no idea what your dad's doing after you go home. and After you, after you, all you go to sleep, and dad goes into the study for his private time or den or man cave. Uh, horrible things are going on in those spaces. Just tell you that. Okay. Let's see. What else do we have? Well, I mentioned Tunisia earlier. Let's talk about them quickly. They are having elections. Yes, uh, it's happening right now. Saturday's parliamentary elections, the first one since a 2021 presidential power grab that all but killed the country's young democracy. So some people are calling this a sham election, and some people are calling it major progress. Uh, so... This, there, this is like a new electoral law that is governing the vote, and depending on who you believe is in, it is either an innovation that will get rid of the power of the corrupt political parties that crushed Tunisia's com uh, economy, but to others, it is the illegitimate brainchild of a president with autocratic aspirations of his own. Uh, the president is a guy named President Kais Saeed. And 
Let's see here. This will be the fourth time that Tunisians have gone to the polls since overthrowing an autocrat in that 2011 revolt. Do you guys remember that? That kind of inspired the Arab Spring. Yeah, Tunisia was like the first one of all those riots that happened over there. Now, the Arab Spring ended up not coming to a lot in most countries, but they were kind of like the kickoff for that. So these elections are supposed to resuscitate that parliament that Said had suspended in July of 2021 in what growing numbers of Tunisians now call a coup. And they consider that he demolished the young democracy as he began governing by presidential decree. But at the same time, there were a lot of people who supported that. They thought that uh, Said would fulfill the Arab Spring's unmet promises. He did later vow to restore the assembly eventually as part of a series of sweeping new political changes, including the drafting of a new constitution. Um, but the new parliament, whoever wins, it's not going to look a lot like the one it replaces because this new electoral law, part of it that Saeed ushered in, part of it, it will prevent political parties from being involved in elections. Yeah, in other words, like, it'd be like the Democrat National Committee can't, you know, they can't fundraise, they can't have anything to do with, like, a, you know, the midterm elections, which you just went through. So people are saying that this is uh, just a charade that we can't even call these real elections. By the way, that new electoral law, which, like all laws since July of 2020, 2021, was issued by decree removes from the electoral process the much-despised political parties that constitute some of his only organized opposition. So that's why you can see why people wouldn't like it. All political parties are also banned from financing candidates. There are no longer quotas for females or young candidates. <laughs> that was instituted after a revolution. So now there are diversity concerns. They are concerned the parliament will fill with men with the means to fund their own campaign since parties aren't allowed to fund campaigns, right? So it'll just be like a bunch of rich guys. Of the 1,055 candidates now running for 161 seats, just 122 are women. So now these rules have led the major political parties to boycott the elections. They say that the shutting them out makes this uh, election illegitimate. All right, there's your Tunisia update. I know you guys were anxiously waiting for that. What else? Let's go to Berlin. Did you guys see the fucking aquarium <laughs> that burst open? That 50 feet high, 264,000 gallon cylindrical tank. Yeah, busted open. Had 1,500 fish inside. Uh, this was called the Aquadom. It was housed in a Radisson in Berlin. The water was so much, it's... It, Completely flooded the building, ran out in the street and everything else. This is a five-star hotel. Um, these uh, were, most of the fish were like tropical fish. And, yeah, it was 19 degrees out Fahrenheit. So the, the fish ended up like freezing outside. This Aquadom, by the way, was billed as the largest tank of its kind in the world. Uh, an official at the Berlin Senate responsible for animal protection said, quote, we were lucky that it happened at a time that only two people were slightly injured, but it's unfortunate, of course, that so many fish died. End quote. It happened at 5.45 a.m. Luckily, it happened when it did, because otherwise there'd be a lot of workers there and it probably would have killed a bunch of people. The Aquadom, I'm looking at a picture of it now, it is pretty awesome looking. <laughs> Was. 
It was in the hotel atrium, had a diameter of 38 feet, and it was wrapped around a glass elevator where you could you know, look at all the fish. And they were really lucky. Even hours after it burst, an entire block of the street outside the building remained soaked by those thousands and thousands of gallons of water. It uprooted the plants, destroyed the lobby, ripped out phones, uh, destroyed a nearby chocolate shop. And the impact of the water was erupting onto the street was actually so powerful that local seismographs picked it up. They don't have any suspicion of foul play at this time. Local media says the cause was likely just some sort of technical fault. Uh, very good. Yeah, and, and this, sadly, I don't... Yeah, there wasn't really... This happened and nobody was around. I wonder if there's video of it. Because, like, you'd think they, had, like, they would have surveillance video, right? I haven't seen any. Well, here's some kind of uh, video on Instagram. No, that's already it's already it's already uh, exploded. I have not seen there's if if you guys have seen actual like surveillance video of something of it of the aquarium like melting down, send it to me. But I haven't seen any. Uh, some fish apparently lived. There were other fish in the well. These weren't in the. Um, Oh, yeah, a few fish live. So they also had spare fish, they had like backup fish in the building's basement. And a few coral reef fish at the very base of the aquadome actually also survived in like the little pool of water that remained. So now the, they're trying to rescue all of the fucking fish. Uh, the hotel released a statement saying it was trying to determine what caused it to burst. And a... Uh, Statement read, quote, We have immediately closed the hotel until further notice and are relocating guests. End quote. Oh, boy. You don't want to ever read a German person saying they're relocating a guest, if you guys know what I mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Germans, come on. You guys got to start laughing at it. Uh, it was that uh, fish tank was built in 2003. So, Well, somebody screwed the pooch. I mean, it did last this long. Maybe it just, I mean, maybe something just rusted away. Okay, uh, let's go to Ukraine, Russia. I'm not going to go through all of this article, but I highly recommend you go read it. The New York Times did a long investigative piece, and it's all about how fucking Putin screwed the pooch in Ukraine and like how he thought he was going to like be a walk in the park and all this stuff. Um, if you Google New York Times Putin's war, you can go read the whole thing. But this is a long investigation. It's based on interviews, intercepts, documents, secret battle plans. And what they did was just show how all of this became a fucking catastrophe. And they, it's extensively detailed. Tons of pictures, tons of documents. Uh, so I uh, recommend you go read it a, a lot. I'm just going to read a few bullet points, though. It, remember, this is all based on, remember guys, before the war started, like right before the invasion, I did that story about how Western analysts had considered the Russian military uh, very modernized. They said Putin had modernized the military. They are swift, fast, uh, able to shoot, move, communicate. They were much better than the Soviet uh, you know, armies of the 90s and all that. And, and that's what they thought. They thought that this was a formidable army. But it, as, a, as it turns out, a lot of that was uh, based on bullshit. You know, so here, here's just a few points. 
In interviews, Putin associates said that he had spiraled into self-aggrandizement and anti-Western zeal. So he basically made the fateful decision to invade Ukraine in near total isolation without even consulting experts. And of course, he had a lot of hangers-on that only told him what he wanted to hear. Of course, otherwise you're fucking off to the gulag. And, um, and then the Russian military, as I said, despite Western assumptions about its prowess, was severely compromised. It turned out they were gutted by years of theft and corruption. Hundreds of billions of dollars had been devoted to modernizing the armed forces under Vladimir Putin, but corruption scandals ensnared thousands of officers. Thousands. For example, one military contractor described frantically hanging enormous patriotic banners to hide the decrepit conditions at a major Russian tank base, hoping to fool a delegation of top brass. They were even prevented, the visitors, from going inside to use the bathroom. Otherwise, they might discover it. They were, they were like papering it over, almost literally. And then once the invasion began, they squandered uh, the, 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 uh, the, the surprise through all kinds of blunders. They had bad maps. They had bad intelligence. They left Ukrainian air defenses surprisingly intact. His hacking squads, remember the scary Russian hackers? Well, apparently they tried and failed to launch cyber weapons. Uh, Russian soldiers, shocked that they were going to war, then used their cell phones to call home. You guys know this story by now. That allowed the Ukrainians to track them and pick them off in large numbers. And armed forces over there, I've talked about this as well. They're so sclerotic because it's a top-down system. They don't trust their junior officers and NGOs. They did not adapt even as they were taking huge losses on the battlefield. Even while their planes were being shot down, a lot of Russian pilots flew as if there wasn't even any danger. The New York Times writes, almost like they were at an air show. And then they seized more territory that they could defend, leaving thousands of square miles in the hands of skeleton crews of underfed, undertrained, poorly equipped fighters. Many of them were conscripts. Uh, they had gear from the 1940s. They had instructions from the internet describing how to use a sniper rifle. Uh, with new weapons from the West, the Ukrainians beat them, fought them off, yet Russian commanders kept sending waves of ground troops into pointless assaults. It's, it's, it's nuts. And he divided the warp, did Putin, into various uh, areas. And so that left, like, so basically each general was in charge of his own area. Many of his fighters were commanded by people who are not even part of his military like his former bodyguard, the leader, the leader of Chechnya. Uh, so, yeah, so very, very, very crazy. Now, now, since the early days of invasion, apparently in private, Putin has conceded that the war has not gone in, as planned. Even back in March, in a meeting with Prime Minister Naftali Bennett of Israel, Putin admitted that the Ukrainians were tougher, quote, than I was told. This will probably be more difficult than we thought, but war is on their territory, not ours. We are big country, and we have patience, end quote. And that's what's nuts, because people who know Putin say he is ready to sacrifice countless lives, and for as long as it takes. That's in total insanity. He is ready to accept the deaths, according to one NATO member, of the, the deaths of as many as 300,000 troops. Remember, they've already lost 100,000. Just, like I said early on, he, I think he's just completely insane. 
And maybe, I don't know if it's like, if, if it's true, if he is terminally ill. I mean, I've seen that's been rumored for a long time now. And he could be. I don't, I don't know. But maybe he just sees himself as, the, as I said early on, that the, the great man who's going to bring back the glory days of the Soviet Union, you know, bring back all the territories, make Russia great again, if you will. Just a complete shit show. <laughs> Wounded soldiers being sent off. Hardly any food training. Hardly any bullets or equipment. Two-thirds of platoons getting completely wiped out. Uh, they had a Wikipedia printout on how to operate one of those sniper rifles. Um, yeah. There's another follow-up to that article. Um, I also encourage you, also at the New York Times, and the title is Eight Takeaways from the Times' Investigation into Putin's War. And it kind of summarizes it without all the anecdotes. So if you just want to read a quick summary, uh, that's also very good. So, yeah, it's, it just sounds like, what are you going to do? This guy's a fucking complete madman. And I, I will stand by my prediction that he either is assassinated or somehow overthrown and thrown into a gulag and that's the way this war will end because the people probably have to just rise up at this point because it's not ending any other way uh just uh a few stories uh related to that the united states is now going to train more ukrainian troops and they are now adding advanced battle tactics like we've been training them in you know basic uh, tactics, but now this is like an overall strategy training. They would call it combined arms, and they instruct we we instruct these Ukrainian troops at a base in Germany, and this combined arms warfare concept is basically when you coordinate among infantry, artillery, armored vehicles, air support, everything else, and you kind of make it all one big team rather than any one of them doing their own thing. That's kind of how it works. The big picture, like the general level view. Uh, so you, the Ukrainian officials have not sent too many troops, actually, for specialized training because the war has been so crazy. But uh, now winter is slowing the tempo of the fighting, and they think that there is going to be a window here for more troops to benefit from this. The training is expected to begin in January and would enable American instructors to train a Ukrainian battalion or about 500 troops each month. That's according to a Pentagon spokesman. Uh, and other U.S. officials say that uh, battalions could range up to 800 soldiers each. Right now, American forces are training about 300 Ukrainians per month and have trained about 3,100 since the war began. That has been primarily focused on teaching the Ukrainians to use all of the advanced weapon systems we're sending them. That includes 600 soldiers who have learned how to use the HIMARS that we've sent. That's the, uh, those are the high-mobility artillery rocket systems. And Ukraine has used those to devastating effect. So far in total, allied nations have instructed 12,000 Ukrainian troops. And that's primarily in uh, the UK, by the way. And it's and the ones who've been trained in the UK are really there just for basic infantry training. Okay, and uh, anything else about this? Uh, oh, just uh, quickly, as long as I'm talking about Russia, a Russian official in Africa was wounded by a uh, letter bomb. Yeah, this was in the Central African public. And this is a Russian official 
who is trying to get Russia to gain a stronghold in that country. And he was wounded by a package bomb in the country's capital of Bangui uh, Friday, yesterday. This is the uh, Dmitry City. He was identified as the head of the local branch of the Russian House, the cultural arm of the Russian Foreign Ministry. However, Western officials have described him as an important figure in the local branch of the Wagner Group. You guys remember them. They are Russia's largest private military contractor and a major fighting force in that war in Ukraine. The Wagner Group has, in recent years, been expanding their presence into several African countries, particularly, apparently, into the Central African Republic, which is completely poor, but they are very mineral-rich. As a matter of fact, he was one of eight people who was sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury Department in 2020 for running operations in Africa. The Russian foreign ministry said in a statement that the attack on Siti was a, quote, terrorist act, end quote. A Russian government official said he was in critical condition in a hospital, but some Western officials are questioning whether this attack even took place or whether it could have been staged by Russia as a part of a campaign to discredit the Central African Republic's one-time ally of France. Ally, I should say. Um, well, who's this guy? Just named a... Uh, I'm going through here to try to find... They, they name a dude... Oh, some oligarch. He accused France of being behind the bombing. French Foreign Minister Catherine Colonna denied it and called it propaganda. Russia's state-run news agency did release photographs on what they said was a crime scene with debris scattered across a desk and uniformed Central African officials taking measurements. This is funny. Next to an envelope on the desk lay a perfectly intact note written in Russian that read, quote, This is from all the French. Russians will get out of Africa. End quote. Um, yeah, they've been there for a while, though, these Wagner military operatives. Remember, Central African Republic is that land. I've talked about them before. They're a landlocked country with a wealth of oil, gold, and diamond deposits. But they've been very unstable, shockingly, I know, on the African continent, since winning independence from the French colonizers in 1960. Okay. Uh, well, this sounds like complete bullshit. I don't know. We'll, we'll watch that one. Uh, just uh, real quick, you guys. Apparently, yes, the World Cup happened and um, uh, Argentina won. I saw that this morning. Everybody was very excited. Everybody's like, this is the greatest match of all time. And I, I guys, I think I think a good soccer goal is one of the coolest things ever, especially in like a big time game, right? I cannot get behind a sport that is decided by penalty kicks. I can't fucking do it. What is that? They should fucking play. Okay, I can I'll listen to an argument for like, you know. Definitely lower profile matches and non-championship matches. In a championship game, they should have to fucking play until somebody wins the game with a that sports play. You know what I'm saying? Now, some people have already commented like, "Well, this is like a this is no different than a field goal in the NFL." Um, but a field goal is part of the accepted like play in action. 
You know, and, and, and a field goal is not derived from a penalty. It's, it's an option for you to do it. So it's not the same thing. And then certainly it's definitely not the same thing because once you kick a field goal, the other team doesn't get a chance to match your field goal. Unless, you know, it's one of those crazy, but you could argue the overtime rule, but then they'd have to commit football play to even get within full, uh, field goal range. So it's not the same thing. I can't get behind it. I'm sorry. I know. Everybody's fucking raving. This is the best fucking match of all time. <laughs> okay, so Lionel Messi finally won a World Cup. and that, that probably helped. So, thank God. Our national fucking soccer nightmare is now over for another four years. Uh, or I, I don't, guys, spare me the fucking how soccer is a beautiful game and uh, the, the DMs, okay? I just, I can't. I'll listen to a lot of DMs. I just, I don't want to get like 50 of those. Uh, let's talk about the updates. Do a quick update here. Let's talk about FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. The cryptocurrency exchange founder is now in prison in the Bahamas, as you guys probably know by now. He's now facing criminal charges because he got arrested. As I said, fucking immediately that he engaged in widespread fraud since founding this. And it was fucking obvious he did. Well, the update is now he is uh, expected to agree to extradition to the U.S. And remember, he's 30 years old. In the U.S., he has now been charged with using his customers' FTX deposits to make personal lavish real estate purchases, invest in other companies, and donate funds to politicians. He was arrested on Monday at his apartment complex in the Bahamas. After being held overnight in a police cell, he was denied bail. And then he was transferred to the island's notorious Fox Hill prison. Yeah, this is funny. In a court on Tuesday, at first, Bankman Freed said he would not waive his right to challenge the extradition, but then he got a fucking few days in Fox Hill. He said, fuck this, because if you guys have seen pictures and some of the tabloids, complete dump. So this extradition now will set up what will probably become a month-long legal drama. Um, So the Justice Department has unsealed a 13-page criminal indictment. Bankman Freed is being charged with eight counts, including, like, I, God, I knew this from day, I called this all these crimes from day one, wire fraud, conspiracy to defraud the United States. They think that on Monday, this upcoming Monday, that is when he will state his new position to agree to the extra, uh, extradition in court in the Bahamas. So then he will be gone. Um... Yeah, you guys remember all this. I've been covering it for a few weeks now, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. There were a couple of amusing stories that went on. First of all, his parents called that prison. Did you see his fucking grifter parents? And they're fucking being looked at hard, too, which I'll get to in a second. But his parents called the jail to request he get vegan meals. <laughs> you know, this is so funny, dude. They, these When I first heard this story... Um, Well, quickly, remember, his parents are law professors at Stanford, Joseph Bankman and Barbara Freed, hence Bankman Freed, because, you know, they're very modern. They don't uh, they don't want their son to have to pick the patriarchal name. You know, he has to have both names. So I I know I know I know exactly who these people are, these parents. And as soon as I read the story, I was like, these are fucking good white liberals in academia, which are possibly the whitest liberals of all the white liberals, the academics. 
They've been insulated on the Stanford campus in the real world, and they think that, well, our baby needs vegan food, otherwise he'll die, and they're fucking calling down to the Bahamas prison, which has, like, rats and shit running around. Can you fucking imagine the guys taking that call down there? Oh, they must have been dying laughing. Because they really have this belief that, well, if our baby wants something, he should get something, because, you know, everybody's like the United States, and everybody's just like our Stanford campus. And we have very carefully selected vegan meals and shade-grown coffee and conflict-free fucking oranges and whatever else. Yeah. That's fucking funny. They, they have a few quotes in here from a commission, acting commissioner of corrections, Doan Clary, for the Bahamas. Clary told a local eyewitness news um, that, hey, you know what? It's a shock for any inmate to come from home into a cell-style environment. Uh, but according to this commissioner, he saw him, he spoke to him, he did, and he did clarify that Sam Bankman-Fried is receiving no special treatment. Uh, he, Clary did touch on the diet. He did say that the jail does its best to acquire the various food that is necessary for a vegan diet. I'm sure. I'm sure they spent hours, hours sourcing the local fucking Whole Foods in the Bahamas looking for his fucking, you know, organic grass or whatever he eats. Kid, there's my one, there's my fucking best argument against veganism right there. Go look at him. Go look at him. You young people, go look at his fucking picture. His pasty, paunchy, slovenly fucking body. And tell me, vegan, tell me veganism is good for you. Go look at him. Poster boy for that. Uh, so, I mentioned the... Um, fucking dad's calling me right now. Jesus, dad. thought I told him I was pushing a podcast. In fairness, I usually do it on Saturday. Now, I mentioned the political donations. Yes, federal prosecutors are now looking hard at those. Prosecutors in Manhattan are seeking information about this. Um... Those violations, by the way, the charging violations, include major campaign finance schemes. And prosecutors have reached out to representatives for campaigns and committees that have received millions of dollars from Bankman-Fried, his colleagues, and their companies. Uh, let's see here. A law firm representing some of the most important Democratic political organizations, including the party's official campaign arm, I believe that would be the B, the DNC, its biggest super PACs, political action committees, and the campaigns such as newly incoming House Minority Leader Representative Hakeem Jeffries got emails from prosecutors. Uh, Mailson here. Since emerging as a political mega donor in the months before the 2020 election, Sam Bankman Fried has donated nearly $45 million primarily to Democratic campaigns and committees that are now scrambling to distance themselves. You know, sure, they, only because they could, only because the media is fucking chasing them about it. Very good. Some of uh, Jeffries did, uh, in, in, his, in fairness, return the donation, or, uh, and, and they either did that, return it outright, or give the money to charity. So, very good. All right, Sam Bankman, you know, fuck this guy. Dude, this guy's the worst piece. And you know what's fucking hilarious to me, too, is now he, this guy was, like, educated at Stanford, right? He was, like, some genius. Everybody for years said he was a fucking genius. Genius, genius, genius. Smartest guy ever, brainiac. And now he's fucking playing like this dumb guy. Oh, I didn't know. 
I didn't know any of this. No, I had no idea what was going on. It was was theft from day one. Just moving your customer's money alone into another account, that would be the Alameda Research, the trading firm. Just doing that alone is a crime. Much less taking their money and buying a bunch of fucking houses. And now, like I said, the parents are being taken a look at hard. The New York Times had a good story about this, titled The Parents in the Middle of FTX's Collapse. Yeah. This is good. Mr. Bankman, the father, right, and even the months before they filed for bankruptcy back on November 11th, he was a prominent cheerleader for the company. He wanted to shape the narrative that his son was using crypto to save the world. See? Big lib. As a matter of fact, Bankman was a paid FTX employee who traveled frequently to the Bahamas. Her, The mom, Freed, she did not work for the company, but she still did uh, you know, PR. Her son was among the donors in a political advocacy network that she ran. So now they are fucking looking hard at the parents. Now, of course, we have to point out no evidence has emerged linking them to the potential criminal practices that caused the exchange to implode. Yeah. She, by the way, 71-year-old Ms. Freed, she has quit as chairman of the board of that political donor network Mind the Gap. Bankman, 67, has postponed a Stanford class he had been scheduled to teach in the winter, and they have a lawyer trying to get one. He's recruited a lawyer is what it says. I don't know if the lawyer signed on or not. The family faces huge legal bills. Obviously, everybody on fucking Stanford is talking about them. Right on. Oh, here, this is a great quote. Um, this is funny. In a statement, a spokeswoman for the couple said that Bankman had worked for FTX for 11 months, but that Ms. Freed had no role in the country. Oh, they, they, they write it Ms. Freed, so these guys aren't even married, I guess. Mrs. is far too traditional for the Bankman Freeds. I should have known that. I'm surprised it's not MX. Mix Freed. <laughs> Sounds sounds like some kind of grain that you buy in bulk at the local farmer's market. The spokesman said, quote, Joe has spent a lot of his life trying to figure out ways to lift people up out of poverty, end quote. Big lib. And he turned a blind eye like, how could you fucking not know that this was all a scam? You're a Stanford professor. You're not some fucking hick who just fell off the turnip truck. God. Okay, what else? That's uh, that's your SBF fucking update. Uh, let me see here. Let's go through. Let's do a few military-related stories. Uh, first of all, Congress has passed a new military funding bill. $858 billion. That is an 8% overall military budget increase. Uh, so... Just a couple of things of uh, what's in it. By the way, it was 4,400 pages. The legislation authorized a 4.6% pay raise for American troops. And the big story was the bill does contain a vaccine mandate repeal. Republicans pushed to include that language that rescinded the Pentagon's requirement that troops take the coronavirus vaccine, one of several you know, vaccines that service members are required to receive. Across the services, obviously, a vast majority are fully vaccinated against the coronavirus. Um, 
But, uh, you know, the Biden administration had strongly resisted the repeal, arguing that it would erode the health and readiness of the armed forces. But Republicans threatened to tank the entire bill if it was not included. And now they're battling on whether all those guys and gals who got discharged for refusal to take it will be reinstated. Just quickly, I saw the resistance was going ballistic about this on Twitter. Like all the fucking woke retired generals, like, ah, this is this will affect good order and discipline. What's the matter? We we make the troops take polio vaccines and smallpox vaccines. And again, yes, studies show that taking this quote vaccine end quote and i'll tell you why i say that in a moment studies do show it does lessen the possibility of serious illness or death and definitely for older people so that that is a fact right but it does not prevent you from getting the disease therefore the center for disease control actually updated as many of you guys recall their definition of a vaccine this year because it used to be that a vaccine was defined as an anti virus or antibacterial thing, which would prevent you from contracting the illness in the first place. That's what a vaccine has been for many decades. That's the definition. Like if you get a measles vaccine, you're not going to get measles. If you get a polio vaccine, you're not going to get polio. If you get a smallpox vaccine, you're not going to get smallpox. That is not the same as the, regardless how you feel about it, as the COVID-19 injection. It does not prevent you from getting COVID-19. It just prevents you at least in the case, and maybe young people, I don't know, but at least in the case of older people, it does prevent you from getting seriously ill or dying. But that's not what a vaccine was understood to be for many decades before like a year or two ago. So that's probably another reason they're recalling. And plus, the military is uh, filled with people who are mostly young and healthy and not very much in danger of any of this. Now, it is also true that young people and on ships and stuff, remember that one ship? That naval ship where, you know, they had people die on there of COVID-19. So I, I get it that you want to take all the chances, but um, I don't know. We still don't understand. You know, I was talking to, so at Josh's uh, memorial, you know, we had three, three guys. We were, I was sitting down with like six PJs. Three of them were fucking doctors. One was uh, my good friend, Jackie. He's a former cardiothoracic surgeon. Another one was my buddy Dave. He is an emergency room physician. And another one was this dude. I had met him a long time ago, but he's a neurologist. A neuro, I'm sorry, a neurosurgeon. So br- fucking brain, heart surgeon, brain surgeon, heart surgeon, ER doc, pretty fucking smart guys. And, you know, they're all, they all say the same kind of thing. Like, we just don't know, and they're trying to be careful. But they're like, we don't know the long term. These mRNA vaccines have not been used in a mass scale like this before. And they certainly didn't go through any kind of approval process that other past vaccines have gone through, which generally take years. Remember, this one just went right off. So I, I am still I still remain pro vaccine for older people, especially with, you know, comorbidities like obesity and other underlying illnesses. But. You know, it's hard to, we just don't know. We don't know a lot. I just wish, and I, I wish there was more open conversation about that, but you guys have all know for the last couple of years, if you expressed any skepticism about the vaccine, how dare you? You're anti science You're a science denier. It's like, no, science is all about asking questions, experimenting, figuring out different outcomes, figuring out contributing factors. That's what it's supposed to be about. But for this in particular, I think it was because it was supposedly like had something to do with Trump. 
right? If you question the vaccine, if you question the COVID nineteen shot, all of a sudden you are just like Trump. Just this is this is the stupidest fucking time I swear to God ever. Uh, but back to the military, the, the bill. Uh, it also has uh, environmental protections, including a ban on owning or selling shark fins in the United States. How about that? I didn't hear that one. This really had nothing to do with the military, but you guys know they attach all this shit into these bills. Uh, increase in funding for research and restoration of coral reefs. An increase in oversight of imported seafood. I mean, I'm all for the, especially that one, the seafood. But why does it have to be attached to a military bill? Uh, oh, the oceans package in the bill also expands the use of technology to monitor marine mammals to help prevent them from colliding with boats. Again, I'm wildly for that. I don't think it has fucking any place. I hate these massive omnibus bills. They just throw whatever they want in there. Uh, let's see. Legislation makes it easier for active duty families to qualify for the basic needs allowance. That's a stipend designed to target food and housing insecurity for at-risk service members. Uh, provisions to mitigate civilian harm in military operations. That came after uh, all those civilian deaths from American airstrikes that the media was looking on. Uh, shipbuilding budget increase of nearly $5 billion. All right. That's a fucking lot of money, man. So, it has not yet... Uh, I don't... I, I do not believe it has been signed yet. As of Thursday, because that's when the Senate gave the final approval to the bill. So... Now it should go to Biden's desk. Remember, again, he defied the uh, he or he, he, they defied Biden's objections to re repealing the coronavirus max vaccine. The vote in the Senate, by the way, was eighty-three to eleven, and they they put in the budget forty-five billion dollars more than Biden wanted or requested, anyway. Because they were arguing about the war in Ukraine and China and Taiwan, that they would need more money. So, okay. And then something fun. You guys remember the dude, the colonel with the fucking gimp dog mask I talked about? I helped break that story wide open. Thank you very much. I get no credit like usual. Yes, that was at Pup Ravage. That was his fucking handle. And he was the guy, the colonel, who posed in full uniform with all his fucking dress blues on and his colonel fucking wings on there and all his ribbons and shit. And he's wearing his, he's in front of the American flag and he's wearing his fucking dog leather mask. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? Well, since then, now that all me and the military uh, meme accounts fucking put it all over, he is now being investigated. Do I think anything is going to come of it? No, but task and purpose now run by my good friend, Marty Scovland. So it'll probably now be actually worth a shit because it was useless before. But now task and purpose is saying multiple soldiers are under investigation for indiscreet activity while in uniform. And remember, it wasn't just pup ravages the colonel because he was getting out. That's why he started putting all this shit online because he's like, well, fuck it. Uh, by the way, guys, I, uh, I like fucking getting banged out by dudes and I like banging out dudes and we like doing it while half in uniform, half out wearing our fucking gimp masks. Yes, these were soldiers who posted themselves on public social media wearing dog themed bondage masks while in uniform. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is great. R USA Today reported. 
that these images depict, quote, male soldiers in uniform or parts of uniforms, like I was saying, wearing dog masks, leather, and chains. Some of the photos depict poses of submission and sexual acts. Another photo shows a soldier in combat fatigues wearing the dog mask on an airfield, end quote. Now, the command, a spokesperson for U.S. Army Pacific, um, that is the command that the soldiers were in because they were reportedly based in Hawaii, did tell Task and Purpose that the command, quote, is aware of content found on social media reflecting soldiers' activities while wearing uniforms. The incident is currently under investigation, end quote. Yeah, there. I, I, what I predict, nothing will come of this. There's going to be a few guys pulled aside and say, hey, fucking dumbass, don't fucking wear a picture of you in your pup mask while you're in your army dress blues and take all those pictures down, and that'll probably be the end of it. Because, you know, this is the new modern military where we have to be accepting of every bizarre alternative lifestyle. Uh, anything else in this task and purpose... It's unclear when or where the photos were taken. It's unclear if all the soldiers are still in the Army. Except, like I said, the colonel in his dress uniform. That included a caption saying that he was retiring. And uh, a Pentagon spokesman deferred questions about the investigation to the Army. Uh, let's see. According to internal military emails, say the photos in question may have been taken in the gym at a military base in Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah, there was one of that. There was one old Colonel fucking Pup Ravage was uh he's just wearing he's wearing his BDU bottoms and his boots and he's in a t shirt and he's in the fucking gym locker room on base, like flexing his gyno titties fucking hanging out. Imagine fucking walk and he's wearing the mask. Like imagine have and he had like the camera set up across the room or some shit. Or at least or maybe somebody else was taking the picture for him. Like what you're fucking imagine if you're like some fucking private first class. Decided to go to the gym and you walk around the corner. You see the fucking colonel and his boxers and dog mask on. Uh, I would immediately be like, dude, I am coming to work whenever the fuck I want. And I'm leaving whenever the fuck I want. Unless you want me to go to the IG. Uh, but of course, remember Article 133 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice covers conduct unbecoming. And states that, quote, any commissioned officer, cadet, or midshipman who is convicted of conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman shall be punished as a court martial may direct, end quote. And yes, that does include you wearing half a uniform with personal shit. It's fucking, it's a no-go from the beginning to end. And that doesn't even take into account the more problematic aspect of this fucking colonel apparently banging junior officers. Like, you get fucking a talking to. If you are a senior NCO and you're banging an E3, fucking that would be a problem. So there's no reason why this shouldn't be either. All right. Uh, let's see. What else I want to get to? Let's talk about Elon Musk. Story that won't go away. Uh, he's just fucking like, he's just on a rampage. You know, as a Tesla stock owner, full disclosure, I really am getting a little tired of it because it seems like his Tesla stock is now down like 50% over like the last three months. And it's like, dude, fucking enough already with the Twitter. I get it. You want to own the libs. I do too. You don't have to do it all the time. Uh, anyway, the big shitstorm this time was Twitter fucking suspended the accounts of several journalists. Now, it was okay for all of us to get suspended for stupid reasons, right? But the second a fucking few journalists are suspended, and by the way, they've all been let back on now. The media went absolutely bonkers because there's nothing the media likes covering than themselves. 
but Musk said he was restoring most of the accounts, which had been deactivated on Thursday. He took a Twitter poll. Remember, like the one that said to restore Donald Trump? He took a Twitter poll. A majority of respondents in that informal Twitter poll did say the suspension should be lifted. Uh, So some of the reporters, including a Washington Post guy and a New York Times guy, said that they would get their accounts back if they deleted posts that Twitter has had, had flagged as violating the rules against posting private misinfo- uh, private information. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be... So they... The accounts included his, uh, those, those two guys, and also Donnie Sullivan of CNN and uh, some other people. And at the same time, th- this was like a lot of shit went on. I'm looking at the vote right now. Um, to unsuspend them. It was a pretty good... It was well over... As of December 15th, he had 3 million... Oh, it was final. The final results uh, got 3.6 million votes. 58% said to unsuspend the accounts. So, this kind of followed the Elon Musk jet tracker drama. So, that, that's what really kicked this off. This had to do with that kid. It was called, it was at Elon Jet was the name of the Twitter account. And this kid was a 20-year-old college student. And he had an automated Twitter account at Elon Jet. um, And he had like half a million followers. His name was Jack Sweeney. And he was suspended, then unsuspended, and then suspended again. Now, the New York Times writes that Jack Sweeney was using public flight information and data to post the whereabouts of Musk's private plane. Musk has been aware of Elon Jet for months. Um, he had talked to them. Sweeney's personal Twitter account was also suspended on Wednesday, along with other accounts that, that he runs that track the planes of tech billionaires such as Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, and Bill Gates. In an interview, Sweeney said he had not changed how the plane tracking accounts behave and was given no specific reason that they had been suspended. Um, now, there was, uh, I wanted to say, I, I now I heard, that's not in this New York Times story, of course, but there was some speculation on Twitter that you can't, like a, a private plane by itself isn't necessarily trackable. Like you have to use a few other techniques to actually publish the real time location. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what kind of Musk is saying. Well, no, he wasn't just, it's not like you opening your flight radar 24, which is a great app and looking at, you know, the, the Southwest flight going from San Diego to, you know, Oahu, because that's like publicly available. And he, they are claiming his advocates, Musk's advocates that, in order to track a private jet in real time, you have to know certain special information that you'd have to like look into specifically. So I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just telling you what they say. So they re they re uh, they unsuspended the accounts. Fucking everybody was all pissed off about it. And in my opinion, I think they should be, I don't think they should be suspended. I don't think anybody should be suspended. The best cure. I'm a free speech guy. And I know it's not a government restriction of speech. This is a private company. Technically, Elon Musk, if he wants to ban them, he's well within his rights. But he's the guy, Musk, who has been fucking very vocal about free speech. So you can't fucking do that on one hand and then do all this shit on the other hand. 
Like, I think everybody should be allowed on to put put all the fucking stupid white supremacists on Twitter so they get fucking piled on every time they tweet out some Nazi shit. You know what I'm saying? Like the best cure, the best way to do that is through ridicule. So people are like worried about hate. Like, oh, no, we'll have hate on social media. So what? One, either you mute or block them if you can't handle it. Or two, just fucking make fun of them constantly. If it's a, and if it's a journalist who's an idiot or cry facing about something, goof on him. I don't want anybody suspended. So I yes, I would if it, if I had a vote, if I had voted, which I didn't because I was traveling, I missed a lot. I would say that no, I don't want him. Uh, I don't want him suspending any of these people. See, I'm consistent, unlike the other side. Remember, but it's a little hard to swallow all the journalist outrage and fucking all these pundits on the left saying, you know, Musk is a Nazi for doing this because they have been more than happy to see right-wing accounts who had committed no violence. I'm not talking about like white supremacists or neo-Nazis or any people who advocated violence. I'm talking about just like conservative accounts. They slip up. They said maybe something wrong and they got suspended. And the New York Post, an entire fucking humongous media outlet was suspended over the Hunter Biden laptop. Did any of the journalists rush to say this is not cool? That was was before Musk. Did any journalists rush to Twitter and say this is wrong? How dare you suspend an American news outlet? No, none of them did. None of them. So I definitely get the people who are like, now, you know what? This is Schadenfreude. No, I'm not going to vote to unsuspend her. But I try to rise above all that, the steel trap mind. Remember, guys, if you don't have your principles, what do you have left? Nothing. But it was a little rich watching the outrage when fucking none of those people spoke up about the New York Post. And that was hundreds of journalists right there at the New York Post, hundreds of them, and they weren't allowed to put stuff up. So, all right. Anything, I don't want to go into all the, like, the violations and all that stuff. It's it's not interesting enough to me. But I'll get, I have a few audio clips in a moment. And then as far as the Twitter gate... You know, the Elon Musk has been re- releasing all these files. Um, a lot of it had to do with the FBI and how the FBI was cooperating with Twitter. Now, journalist Matt Tybee posted a new trove of t- Twitter documents on Friday, yesterday, and they show emails from FBI officials requesting bans on Twitter users. Of all people, the FBI asked Twitter to suspend actor Billy Baldwin. (laughs) They also wanted to ban satire accounts and right-wing commentary. The FBI claimed the accounts were disseminating false information about the elections. Okay, so what? So disseminate the correct information about the elections. It's not your fucking job. It's not fucking your job. (laughs) Lying is not a free speech offense. In the last couple of years, that's taken as a granted. Well, he he provided misinformation. And then people are like, nod their heads. They're like, oh, well, shit, I didn't know that. And I'm like, so? It's not against the law to lie. Now, if you want to make that your policy on Twitter, then fucking go ahead. But there'd be a shitload more people suspended all the time. FBI guys even asked for Twitter to hand over the locations from where these Twitter accounts were being operated. That's fucking scary. Um, and that is a, now that's more concerning because now this is the government. Like I thought it was a lot less of a big deal when the DNC or the Biden administration, it wasn't mostly it was like the DNC asking Twitter 
in those previous dumps to like delete tweets. It's like Twitter didn't have to do that, but they had a bunch of fellow travelers who worked there, so they're happy to do it. But that wasn't as bad as this. Like this is law. This is federal law enforcement now getting involved. Fucking stupid. The FBI defended their work on Twitter. They said in a statement that it was routine. They did not. They refused to confirm which other social media companies they worked with. They wrote, quote, well, a spokesman said, quote, the FBI regularly engages with private sector entities to provide information specific to identified foreign malign influencer actors and their subversive, undeclared, covert, or criminal activities, end quote. Well, that could be, so Billy Baldwin is a malign foreign actor? (laughs) I don't know. Between January of 2020 and November of 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and the former Twitter head of trust and safety chief, Yoel Roth. All right. I can't. It's getting boring to me. Um, now, Elon Musk did pop in. You know the Twitter spaces, you guys? Or you know, it's like a call-in and, hundred, and anybody can listen in. So there were a bunch of journalists talking on this. So Elon Musk actually hopped into the Twitter space and uh, this is about a three-and-a-half-minute video. Wow, six million views. Let's listen to how this went when Elon Musk hopped in on this. In the last few hours with a, a handful of journalists uh, being banned. Uh, yeah. Um, well, as I'm sure everyone who's been doxing uh, would agree, you know, showing uh, real-time uh, information this is Musk. about somebody's location is uh, inappropriate, and I think everyone on this call would not like that to be done put to them. And and there is not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, civil journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're, you're just, you're, you're a Twitter, you're just your citizen. Um, so, uh, no special treatment. Um, you dox, you dox, you get suspended. End of story. Um, so, and, 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 and ban evasion, ban evasion, or like, or, or trying to be clever about it. Like, oh, I posted a link to the real-time information is obviously, uh, that is obviously simply trying to evade the, the, the meaning. That is, there's no different from, than, pace, than actually showing real-time information. Um, so uh, when you're saying posting a link to it, I mean, the, some of the people like Drew and, and Ryan Mack uh, from The New York Times who were, were banned were, were, you know, they were reporting on it in the course of sort of pretty normal journalistic endeavors. Um, you consider that like a tricky attempt at ban evasion? You show the link to the real-time information, ban evasion, obviously. I, I, Drew, I don't think you were posting the real-time information, right? I mean, you're, you're suggesting that we're sharing your uh, address, which is not not true. Um, and you're suggesting that we're we're posting. We never. I, I I never posted your address. You posted a link to the address. We posted a link. We in in the re- course of reporting about Elon Jet, we posted links to Elon Jet, which are now not online um, and now banned on on Twitter. And and Twitter also, of course, marks even the Instagram and Mastodon accounts of Elon Jet as as harmful. Using you know, we have to admit, acknowledge, using the same exact link blocking technique that you have criticized as part of the. Hunter Biden, New York Post story in 2020. So what is different yeah, here and it's there? No more acceptable for me. It's, it's no more acceptable for me, for you than it is for me. It's the same thing. So anyway, 
Uh, so it's unacceptable what you're doing? No, what you, 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 you dox, you get suspended, end of story, that's it. Elon, I have to ask, I mean, I think what everyone's wondering is that it's highly unusual for journalists at the Washington Post and the New York Times to be have their Twitter accounts suspended. And it just so happens that it's, you know, the, the, the boss in charge, you know. Uh, so, you know, what's the deal there? Oh, I think I think Elon has uh, has left. Yeah, he dipped out after that. <laughs> Okay, very good. All right. Um, and then this is funny. So one of the people suspended also was that Washington Post reporter, Taylor Lorenz. And she has famously doxed regular people. Doxing, if you don't know, is revealing somebody's personal details. Like, it's traditionally meant not as like a, a, a where a plane's location is, but like, you know, your home address. Like, if you put that out, if I put out that one of my followers, well, this asshole lives at fucking 1234 Elm Street in Cleveland, Ohio, then that would be do- And I put that out on Twitter. That's doxing. So this reporter, Taylor Lorenz, was also banned from Twitter. Uh, I don't know. She might be able to get it back as well. But she reacted to it. She was like, she made a video on like TikTok and she was like almost in tears about it. Let's listen to her react to her banning here. Hey guys, the rumors are true. I have been permanently suspended by Twitter. I was given zero reason, only had three tweets on my account. Two of them were promoting my other social media channels, um, which you guys should follow Taylor Lorenz at Instagram.com, TaylorLorenz.substack.com. Have a new YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I was suddenly logged out. I just had those two tweets and a tweet where I asked Elon for comment today, revealing zero information. Um, Super crazy. Uh, Elon seems to be banning anyone he disagrees with, and I certainly um, didn't violate any terms that I was aware of. So um, that's the story right now, but follow me on Instagram, uh, TikTok, YouTube, pretty much every other social media. I'm just at Taylor Lorenz, (laughs) and I'm here with my fellow band user, Ryan Mack. You know, once you get banned, you have these kind of meetups, um, and so we're at our local meetup. Okay. Well, too bad. <laughs> I know it's it's tough. It's definitely tough for me to have sy- sympathy, but I'm trying to stay consistent. God damn it. Okay, what else? Uh, I want to do some more audio because. Uh, well, let's go to the border. Yep, you guys know it's fucking completely out of control in El Paso, especially. Like they are fucking losing it. They El Paso's long been an immigrant, uh, you know, haven. They've been protected there. For years, but the surge is becoming so bad that they're sleeping in the streets now. Temperatures are dipping below freezing, and you know they, they and they are sympathetic more than anybody. But the border patrol is saying that over the weekend, an average of two thousand four hundred sixty migrants arrived each day in El Paso. That is completely insane, and those numbers could blow up next week because the federal government is going to lift that public health order, Title Forty Two. That has allowed them to expel large numbers of immigrants who might have been allowed into the U.S. and wait fucking 87 years for a court date. At that point, they think total arrivals across the southern border could reach 12,000 a day. That is would be up from a recent average of about 8,000 a day. It's just completely insane, dude. Now, you know what they're trying to do now? Now, what the... So, the Biden... Obviously, I've told you before... This is being done on purpose. They want this to happen, so they have a new base. They have lots more poor people, and those poor people will vote for them. I know they're not legal, but they're going to have kids, and those kids will definitely grow up and become members of 
the Democrat Party, like traditionally large numbers of immigrants do, the legal ones. They've done many, many studies on that. And like 70% of legal immigrants vote for Democrats. So they quoted the stupid fucking Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. And he's a... He, he said, quote, it's an extraordinarily powerful picture of why we need our immigration system reformed through legislation. Our asylum system is broken. Our immigration system as a whole is broken, end quote. God, I hate when they say that. It's not, it's not broken. You just don't follow the law. You know what they're trying to do? Biden's administration is considering an expansion of the program that currently allows Ukrainians and Venezuelans to pre-qualify for asylum processing. And in other words, they would have an office in Mexico or something or wherever and they would pre and they would say like okay we'll just ship you across now and then you can wait <laughs> like they're going to they're going to help them cross into the US by plane every and everything it's total insanity now we're going to fucking do that <sighs> unreal dude so yeah the, remember governor greg abbott has declared a disaster among the border, but they just, they just won't do anything. They're not going to. Because this is part of the plan. Uh, El, even the El Paso mayor, Big Lib, he's finally declared a state of emergency. Remember, the Biden administration didn't want him to do that. That would be El Paso mayor Oscar Leeser. Uh, so that was just some of the bad news. And um, now I have a few audio clips here. Let's start with Senator Alex Padilla here from California. Here, he kind of blames the Trump administration for all this. So you expect order and safety? Senator, you expect order and safety at the border on Wednesday? Your own governor, Gavin Newsom, told ABC News that the immigration system will break when Title 42 is lifted. He said your state is not prepared, that sites are already at capacity. So what do you really expect? Look, and, not, and what are the preparations I'm that you... <laughs> Go ahead. So, so I'm not suggesting that it's not going to be a challenge, uh, but let's understand why it is such a challenge. Because the prior administration starved the very departments and agencies of the resources they need, not just to, to, to uh, patrol the border, but to process these lawful... That's uh, what he cares about, is the second one. That's, uh, uh, that's the reason individuals or even families are coming across the border. Again, most Americans understand and appreciate there are people who want to come to the United States for a number of reasons. That's why we have student visa programs. That's why we have work visa programs. And yes, it is lawful for someone seeking violence, um, it's fleeing violence, excuse me, fleeing violence, fleeing poverty, uh, fleeing for their lives to come to the United States seeking asylum. And False! It's, uh, our obligation to consider... Okay, let me stop him right there. But that, yeah, that, it's their right... But that doesn't, none of those things he listed qualify you for asylum. Just because you're fleeing poverty, like he just said, that doesn't mean you get asylum. Asylum is very narrow. It always has been. Until now, I guess. It meant you were being persecuted by the government for being, I don't know, political activist, uh, gay, something like that, a member of an ethnic minority group, stuff like that. Just If there's local gangs in your neighborhood, that's your fucking problem. That's your city's problem. If you're poor, there aren't any jobs, that's your problem. That's not the problem of the United States. Uh, and here he is. Here's another clip from him. He, he wants, he's always wanted Title 42 gone. Past time for Title 42 to be gone, the administration has made it clear that while Title 42 is technically lifted, they are ready to put in place uh, a, a system at the border that keeps things 
fairer, uh, but also more orderly and more safe. Okay, so, I'm going to stop him here again. What what he wants, he he what he cares about is having enough agents to do paperwork. That's what he's talking about. He he wants them to be processed and released into the U.S. with a court date years into the future. That's what he's talking about. The problem is they don't have enough people to do that. And by the way, when all the Border Patrol agents are pulled away from patrolling and doing crime, they're all being pulled away to do processing the paperwork. So what do you think the cartels are doing when they do that? They send fucking 1,000 people walking up to a particular sector. Now all the Border Patrol agents are busy, and then the cartel can send whatever they want across. Drugs, guns, anything else. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, she was asked about this. Let's hear this Should one. the administration extend Title 42? Do you think the border is secure enough to possibly handle an influx in migrants that we could see? Well, the, uh, to secure our border is our responsibility. Thanks. Um, we always can do more. So we say enough Here. by what standard. But I, I, the courts have spoken on that subject. Uh, if, there's not going to be anything happening in this Congress as we go out because it is, it, we've been through the course now. I do like talking about immigration, though, because it is the constant reinvigoration of America. Oh, shut the hell up. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're not going to do anything. <laughs> we're going home for Christmas. Oh, too funny. Okay, what else? Uh, some other fun things. Uh, yes, the non-binary Biden nuclear official, Sam Brinton, has been officially fired. Very good. <laughs> and now he's in custody. He's been also arrested. That was the Department of Energy guy, the top nuclear waste official, who had been accused in the string of luggage thefts. And a spokesperson from the Department of Energy did say they told the Daily Beast, quote, Sam Brinton is no longer a DOE employee by law. The Department of Energy cannot comment further on personnel matters, end quote. Remember, he was 35 years old. He was the guy in all the makeup and the dresses. And uh, turns out he's a fucking serial thief. He stole a bag from the Minnesota airport. He stole a bag from the Las Vegas airport. The bag he stole in Las Vegas, so the bag itself was $320. But the New York Post says that bag contained more than $3,500 worth of jewelry, clothing, and makeup. I wonder if he knew that or was that... Just, he had to have known that, right? Don't tell me he's that lucky where he takes the one bag that has thousands of dollars worth of jewelry in it. Uh, remember, Brenton uses they, them pronouns. <laughs> Uh, they got a bunch of surveillance footage for him. This is fantastic. Yeah, well, goodbye. Remember, the, one of the lowest things in life you can be, kids, is a thief. Honestly, you're just the scum of the earth. Okay, uh, let's see. A few other fun stories. The um, Polish police chief who fired a grenade launcher given as a gift to him by, the Ukra by Ukraine troops uh, has been, has been uh, fired, I think. Polish investigators are releasing a, quote, violent release of energy, end quote, at the National Police Headquarters amid media reports that the chief of police fired a grenade launcher in his office. They said that Jaroslaw Simizic, the police commander-in-chief, that's the National Police, this is like the top dude, was injured and taken to hospital. And 
at first they were just saying, well, he got this as a present. He received this during a visit to Ukraine, right? And they just said at first it exploded. But now Polish media is reporting that it was a grenade launcher and that he himself had accidentally, big air quotes there, fired it in his office. How do you fucking do that? Uh, that's hilarious. So I don't know. It is. This is a The Guardian, this story. It's a big lib newspaper in the UK. So when they say grenade launcher, I don't know what that means. So because obviously there's a lot, there's a big difference between like an RPG and like an AT4, you know, the American one. It, it so there's like many. In other words, some of them have steps. Like you can't just like you know you you're not walking by it, sitting on a desk and putting your and pulling the trigger and having it go off. Like you have to take various steps to actually fire it. And I'm shocked. Like they they gave him a grenade launcher with an active whatever kind of weapon with an active fucking warhead in it. <laughs> He's fucking out of their minds. So that's curious. I don't. And it also, I correct myself. It doesn't say he was fired. It just said he was taken to the hospital. I'm assuming he will be fired if, in fact, he did. But that's what they're saying. I don't know how you fucking ND a lot. It would be easier on an RPG. Uh, I mean, the warhead would still have to be inserted. I don't. I don't understand that. Uh, let's see. Donald Trump's trading cards are going up in value. <laughs> this was fucking too funny, dude. Yep, Trump put out his own NFTs, the non-fungible tokens. This is so stupid. He put them out on Thursday. They've all been bought up. The value of the total collection has now passed $2 million. The floor price for the Trump NFT was listed as 0.282 Ethereum. As of, uh, when is this article written? As of uh, yesterday. And that is a considerable rise in value. Because the floor price originally was 0.078 Ethereum. The products had initially been offered for $99. They quickly sold out. (laughs) Dude, I don't know, dude. Like, first of all, this is hilarious because he's doing it now when NFTs have fucking become completely worthless. Now, there's two possibilities. One of you guys asked me about this on the DMs. They're either this is a giant laundering operation. Or this is like a bunch of boomers who thought they were getting like real trading cards and would literally buy anything that fucking Trump puts out like because they wanted all the gear. I'm just picturing some like, you know, 75-year-old MAGA boomer. Like, oh, I got to get one of these limited edition trading cards. And then he pays for it. And he gets in like an email. It's like, here's your NFT. And he's like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Funny is that. But the other possibility is it's like book sales. I've talked about this before. When a politician that nobody cares about who's boring writes a book. And nobody buys it, but then you find out it actually sold like 50,000 copies. Nobody normal bought the book, but what it happens is like the DNC, say, will come in and buy up copies of the book. That way the author gets paid while he can claim, well, those are just my book sales. You guys know what I'm saying? So maybe this was similar. Maybe it was all Trump. Maybe it was a couple of Trump's buddies. Maybe like three guys who wanted to give him money but wanted it to be off the books. And Trump is like, hey, I've got this fucking stupid thing. Give me money. And they're like, okay. So those are what I think happened. And yes, I do think NFTs are totally absurd and stupid. So this is perfect Trump, though. I don't even think he's running for president, you guys. I don't. Like, he declared, right? Has he done one thing yet? Has he done a commercial, an ad? Or is he just going to go around doing the stadium tour and take money and then never really run? I just, I don't see him. I don't think he's in it. Anyway, I don't want him running. His time is gone, dude. He's just, he's old, he's, it's an old act. It's an old, tired act. 
In 2016, 2015, the act was good, new, funny. Uh, he's like the old band. It's hitting the road for one last tour because they need money, but they're all fucking half senile. Very exciting news, guys. Pornhub has put out their 2022 year in review. That's right. If you want to look at the whole thing, just Google Pornhub year in review. But I'll just give you a quick uh, a couple searches. The seventh most popular category worldwide is the transgender category. That has grown by 75%, and it is the number one most viewed category in Brazil. It's the third most popular category in the United States. <laughs> Female-to-male searches were eight times more popular than male-to-female. <laughs> God. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, what else, though? Let's get to some other good... Positions. Lesbian scissoring searches grew to 151%. They grew 151% worldwide. And after scissoring, the most searched for position in 2022 was Amazon, followed by 69, Missionary, Lotus, Spooning, and helicopter. Women are 13% more likely to search for the term position. Okay. Oh, and men take note. Their favorite one is cowgirl. Uh, what else? 2022's most searched for terms. The top term search for on Pornhub was hentai. Cartoons. You sick fucks. The second one is Japanese. Third one, MILF. The fourth one, lesbian. Uh... The most popular porn stars this year, the most searched for porn star was Abella Danger. Second was Lana Rhodes, then Angela White, then Eva Elfie, then Riley Reed, Emily Willis. There you go. There was a couple dudes up near the top 10. Jordi El Nino Poya and Johnny Sins were, were really far up there. All right. Um... Uh, the U.S. is, they have it broken down by state, which state searched for what. In uh, California, the top search term was Asian. In Florida, the top terms, the top search firm <laughs> term was BBC. No, not British Broadcasting. Big Black Cock, I believe that stands for. In New York, the top search firm was Dominican. Oh, my, in Pennsylvania, the top search term was Hairy Pussy. <laughs> Come on. Who wants that? Uh, the top search term in Montana was leather. The top search term in fucking Washington state was fleshlight. The top search term in Oregon was furry. What the hell is going on? Duh, that's hilarious. I'm just looking at this for the first time. Top 20 countries by traffic. It, the clear number one was the United States, but I think it is an American company. Uh, yep. U.S. time, the longest, the states that spent the longest time on Pornhub. The longest time was spent by the state of Alabama for an average visit duration of 11 minutes, 22 seconds, followed by Louisiana, South Carolina, Missouri, and Arkansas. The shortest was Ohio, only 8 minutes, 44 seconds spent on, followed by Washington State, South Dakota, and Delaware. All right. <laughs> Good one here. Most viewed categories of 2022 top again was lesbian hmm, I can't relate to just lesbian porn it does nothing for me uh, followed by ebony that would be black women I guess um, followed by Japanese followed by threesome followed by anal followed by milf okay threesome is in the top five okay good that restores my faith in humanity so go on there you guys it's fucking hilarious uh, 
This is this is two categories viewed the longest. Mature, eighteen minutes forty one seconds. Most searched for by gay terms. Hentai again number one. Second was twink. I guess that's the bottom. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Most viewed gay categories. So by gay users, guess what the number one category they tried to pick out was straight guys. See. That's the fantasy by gay dudes. They all fucking want to turn a guy straight. So there, there's your fucking Pornhub urine review. Fantastic. Oh, man. Uh, a Texas woman was trending called Walmart Karen. She trashed a Texas store and a taser-wielding cop said to stop and get on the ground. And uh, he had the taser pointed right at her. She refused to comply. I do have the video... In front of me, let's hear this Get one. Standing there. She's just standing still. Just standing there. Bye <laughs> oh uh, bye. There she yeah. You're gonna respect me. Oh, she's screaming. Oh, she's, she's giving her a new dose. Now he's now she's getting cuffed. That's great. Yeah, she wouldn't put her hands behind her back, so he hit her again. Uh, Idaho murder update still fucking unsolved, guys. Now there's being investigating uh, some vape shop manager claims that uh, one of the victims, Kaylee Concalvis, uh, discussed a potential stalker while in his shop. Uh, yeah, he. Who is this fucking guy? The vape shop manager now claims he discussed Concalva's stalker with her and, and her friend three weeks before they were slain in bed. Yep. He said he, told, he was talking to News Nation, and um, yeah, he said that this chick discussed that a stalker would follow her at night when she was going to or from bars or on campus or everything else. Well, just now, this is coming out. This is what, see, I think they're botching this big time. Remember, police have found no evidence of a sex crime, and it's just, it just sucks. But initially, cops said they thought all four were assaulted as they slept. But Congolves' father said she had the worst injury. She had gouging wounds and rips, and they still don't understand how the two surviving roommates appeared to sleep through the attack. That's what I fucking can't get past. And uh, also, apparently, the other update on the investigation, such as it is, is the, um, they're, they think a potential scream may have been captured by a police body cam on the night that they were killed in their beds. Some believe a high-pitched sound recording at three, recorded at 3.12 a.m. on November 13th is a distant scream, while others think it may be the sound of car tires peeling out. This is like internet sleuths, because you know all the now all the people are like piling in on us trying to solve it. So, yeah. Uh, let me see. 
let's keep going here. I'm starting to fuck. I feel like I have so much more to do. A California school official. This is a great. This is wildly underreported. A California school official has resigned after. This is a he is a president of a school board. He was accused of paying high school students, choir students, to perform at a private adult party at his house. During that party, according to complaining parents, the students were offered alcohol, subjected to inappropriate comments from a dirty Santa, among other things. <laughs> this is Stephen Lanusa, president of Claremont Unified School District in L.A. County, and he had just been reelected as school board trustee. This guy's fucking insane, dude. He was host. This was a private party at his house, and he wanted the high school's choir to perform on December third. But all the parents now are like, what, what are you fucking nuts? There was apparently shirtless men as entertainment. They had a photo on CBS Los Angeles of shirtless performers in Santa and elf hats. The students were offered an open bar and offered to socialize with the half-nude men, according to one of the parents. No other current or past school board members were at the party. And uh, he has now resigned. <laughs> completely sick. And in case you're wondering, it, it does appear that um, this was uh, very much catered towards the boys, if you know what I mean. Is there any... The Daily Mail has a tab on this as well. Yeah, it, it was considered a gay adult party. <laughs> this guy, I'm looking at a picture right now. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, there's dudes in like fucking. They're shirtless. They're flexing. You know, gay guys, right? They're all they're all ripped because they they'll eat like maybe a piece of lettuce every day. Uh, these gay dudes are just ripped in their Santa outfits and they're posing with the kids. The guy's out of his fucking mind, dude. Uh, the big breakthrough in uh, nuclear fusion, that was pretty cool. California scientists announced this week a breakthrough that could commercialize nuclear fusion in a few decades. And um, also a Vancouver-based company has a method that claims to power homes with the technology by the early 2030s. This is all very cool stuff. Scientists at the Lawrence Livermill National Laboratory National Ignition Facility in California announced Monday this week that they had achieved, quote, net energy gain, end quote. That means they produced more energy in fusion than was used to activate it. This experiment saw high-energy lasers converge on a target about the size of a peppercorn, obviously very, very tiny, heating a capsule of hydrogen to more than 180 million degrees Fahrenheit and briefly simulating the conditions of the sun. And then this Vancouver-based company, General Fusion, say they are going to beat them with their new method called something, something called magnetized target fusion. Then uh, that's very... That sounds more mechanical to me. Because basically they use magnetic fields to slow down plasma losses. The process starts with injecting, their process starts with injecting hydrogen plasma into a vessel lined with liquid metal. Then pistons are activated to compress the liquid metal around the plasma, squeezing and building pressure until the plasma reaches the optimal temperatures for creating fusion. All right, well, keep it up. Keep going. In the meantime, yes, we need fossil fuels, but keep going. Megan the Stallion, the rapper, her trial's going on right now. Yeah, this is uh, the trial of Tory Lanez, L-A-N-E-Z. He is on trial for felony assault against Megan the Stallion. 
A bodyguard, the latest update is a bodyguard was uh, due to testify at this trial, but he stopped responding to law enforcement this weekend. And this bodyguard for Megan the Stallion, by the way, said uh, a source told Rolling Stone that this bodyguard, Justin Edison, said that Lanes, the rapper, approached him at the rapper's rental house a day after Megan was shot in July of 2020 to apologize for wounding the stallion in what Lanes allegedly described as an alcohol-fueled incident. Remember, Tory Lanes is being accused of shooting Megan the stallion. He is battling three felony charges, alleging that he shot Megan in both feet during a drunken assault on a residential street in Hollywood Hills before dawn, so they were probably out all night, on July 12, 2020. Yeah, she has testified. Her real name, by the way, is Megan Pete. And she testified that she turned to see Lane's. Uh, his real name is Daystar Patterson. She turned and saw him holding a gun and pointing at her as he allegedly shouted, quote, dance, bitch, end quote, as he fired his weapon. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's good. I hope she puts him away for life. Should probably just get the death penalty, just to be sure. Um, what else? Uh, let's go to. I got to do some quick headlines here because I'm starting to run out of time already. A Marine veteran, 70 year old Robert Sundin. It's a sad story. He died saving the life of a diner waitress during an armed robbery. Yeah, he was in his car outside of Scotty's Restaurant in California. This is in uh, Vallejo. When he saw Teresa Brasher, a longtime server at the restaurant, approached by an apparent robber on December 8th. She was in her car. She said that a man dressed in a ski mask and hoodie came up to her car door and pointed at her, then pointed to her purse. She said she didn't know if that was a finger or a gun. But Sundin, a married father, who, by the way, worked at the VA uh, hospital or the healthcare system, jumped out of his vehicle and rushed to her age. He did know her, the waitress. Well, apparently he did have a gun because he was shot. He was fatally wounded and ended up passing away. So far, the suspect has not been identified. Sundin lived uh, not far from this diner. He ate there every weekday morning at 5.30 a.m., so he's a very familiar face. Sad story, man, but fucking just like a Marine... Died trying to help somebody out. It's a sad story. So we want to recognize him here. Uh, a gay Norwegian filmmaker is facing three years in prison after she said male to female transgender women cannot be lesbians. <laughs> this is Tonje Gjevjon. She spoke out against transgender activist Christine Gentoft, who transitioned from being a man and now identifies as a lesbian mother. So, yes, appears that uh, they uh, very much do like penis. Um, so, and she wrote on Facebook, Gjev Jean, quote, It is impossible for men to become lesbians as it is for men to become pregnant, end quote. And that men are men regardless of their sexual fetishes. So she's now under police investigation. Because Norway's parliament outlawed hate speech against transgender people in 2020. And you, you see that she didn't say anything hateful. She just said her opinion. But of course, there's no free speech over there. So that's what's happening. 
Let's go to Uganda. A two-year-old boy was swallowed and spat out by a hippo while playing near his home in Uganda. Paul Ega was clenched in the mouth of the animal about 800 yards away from the edge of Lake Edward. The hippo had grabbed the toddler from the head and swallowed half his body when a local man noticed and started throwing stones at the animal. That takes balls. The hippo was startled and vomited up the child before waddling back into the water. Wow. He, the kid, Paul, was injured, and he was taken for treatment, but he miraculously survived. Dang, dude. <laughs> You're lucky, dude. Hippos are... The hippo is the world's deadliest, largest land mammal. The hippo kills an estimated 500 people per year in Africa. And they are they weigh up to 2,750 kilograms. That is well over uh, 5,000 pounds. They can easily crush a human to death. They are very aggressive creatures. Their teeth are very sharp. They are agile. They're aggressive. They kill large animals, sometimes humans, as I said. And yeah, you don't want to fucking get caught between a hippo and his home in the water. That is a fucking bad place to be. Uh, right. Let's see here. Just a few funny videos. Did you guys see the Shannon Sharp? If you guys watch sports TV, which I don't a lot, but Shannon Sharp, former uh, NFL great player, and Skip Bayless got into it like really hard. This video has been viewed 16.2 million times. I think that's the record for any video I've ever played on here. So they have a sports show, and uh, they 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 go at it a lot, right? But they're buddies behind the scenes. But they he legit got pissed, and this this clip was going around, so I figured I'd play it on the podcast. I haven't even listened to the whole thing, but they're talking about Tom Brady. And Skip Bayless is essentially saying like to Shannon Sharp, who's an NFL Hall of Famer, and Shannon Sharp would never played in the NFL, by the way. Or, I'm sorry, Skip Bayless never played in the NFL. So, so Skip is telling Shannon Sharp, well, you're not as good as Tom Brady. So let's hear how this goes. Still playing at a high level at 45 when you had to stop at 35. Yeah, that's what you that's do. That's the point. That's what you do. Every time somebody, every time I call something in a question, I'm jealous. No. Skip, I did well, what I did. I never did. said you were jealous of Baker Mayfield. Skip, I did what I did. You make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Okay, I so got three what? Super Bowls. So what? So what? He's way better than you were. I'm better way than better. you. Skip, what I got to see what you do. You take personal shots. No, when you put I, don't, I don't take personal yeah. shots. Oh, you time started time it. Time out. You would take a personal shot at me. I so didn't take a personal shot at you. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You would take a personal shot. Put your glasses back on. Can I finish? You're willing to take a personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because I say he's playing bad this year? Well, because you 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 dis Go ahead. you disrespect him. It, it's just so. It, so it's you, been, you know what? It's beneath your you dignity. You disrespect me to no, support him. No, well, I'll, I'll support him over anybody because he's the greatest player who ever have played your it. game, and it's by have far. It. Have it. Okay, take off, I'm going to have at it because I'm going to have at you. Okay, so I'm with Shan. I'm with Shan Sharp on that one. Like, fuck, first of all, Tom Brady's a quarterback, and quarterbacks are protected. Shannon Sharp played tight end, where you fucking, you are you are getting hit or hitting somebody in every play. So, uh, not the same as comparing it to a fucking quarterback, uh, Tom Brady, who if he gets breathed on, it's a fucking penalty. Um, what else? Did you guys see the, the chimpanzees that escaped the zoo? This is at the Swedish Zoo. Well, officials at... The Swedish zoo managed to get three chimpanzees who had escaped their enclosure back into a secure space, but four others have been shot dead. The zoo's chief said the animals were killed as a last resort. 
The Hurovic Zoo said in a statement that the surviving animals are now being looked after and one, the one who was injured is receiving veterinary care. Uh, the apes had escaped earlier this week on Wednesday with some of them making their way out of the monkey house where they lived. Officials say they were forced to shoot them because of the danger to the public. Two were shot in the school grounds and one was confirmed dead inside the monkey ho- house. Uh, yeah. And then when the keepers were finally able to get inside on Saturday, they found the body of a fourth chimp. Huh, very good. Chimpanzees, uh, animal hierarchy. Well, is the hippo, I should have mentioned this earlier, obviously, very high in the animal hierarchy. Not as high as the elephant, but high just because they're fucking so alpha. Chimps, pretty high. Not as high as gorillas, but chimps are fairly high. They're, they're very highly intelligent. Uh, they're pretty jacked. They can do a lot of pull-ups. Uh, so high on the animal hierarchy, but there are other simian creatures that rank higher. Okay. Let's talk about the January 6th thing. A uh, couple of stories here. One, one defendant has been charged now plotting to kill agents who investigated him. <laughs> Goofball. This was 33-year-old Edward Kelly of Maryville, Tennessee. And his plot this week, he was uh, trying to assassinate several of the federal agents. That plot was foiled this week with a witness who cooperated with the authorities and recorded him and a co-conspirator, Austin Carter of Knoxville. (laughs) Dude, I keep telling you guys, when you're trying to do these coups and plots and the Proud Boys, whatever, there's feds everywhere. Half the people you're meeting with in your secret location are probably recording you. Yep. They, uh, the inquiry into this assassination plot started when an unnamed acquaintance of Kelly gave the police in Maryville an envelope containing a document titled, quote, The List, end quote, that he had gotten from Mr. Carter. The document bore the names of 37 people who had participated in the January 6th related investigation of Kelly, including law enforcement officers who were present at his arrest and a search of his home. Hmm. Yeah. They, uh, in an interview with the FBI, the acquaintance told investigators that he, Kelly had informed him about putting the list together in early December. If that's smart. <laughs> yeah. that's, guys, when, you're, when you want to do an assassination plot, the first thing you do is, is tell one of your friends. So, free advice. And then the other one, they were very, the libs were very excited about this one. The January 6th panel has planned a vote on referring Trump for insurrection and other charges. That's right. Criminal charges for the orange man. This is supposed to happen on Monday, this coming Monday. Um, it had been widely expected. The panel would recommend charges against Trump for obstructing an official proceeding of Congress and conspiracy to defraud the United States. But the addition of an accusation of insurrection was a new development. (laughs) That's just, Paul, there's no way. Where can where do they do they have any tweet any statement any recording of Donald Trump saying hey on January sixth I'm going to that Capitol and I'm gonna have all my I'm gonna I'm gonna have my people storm the Capitol and seize the fucking ballots and uh, overrun that do they have any of that this idiot now obstruction sure why not but even that like because Trump. You know, he said, yeah, I'm going to have a march on why he, he made all the stupid claims about the stupid stolen election. But he was never like, I want you to get in there. Go fucking rise up. Storm the Capitol. Hurt the people. 
get the election back, take back. I don't. I never heard any of that. I'm sure they'll come up with some stupid convoluted way to uh, justify it. But remember, the House is going to Republicans now, so this is all fucking theater anyway. Because it's the once the Republicans take over, all this shit's over. Uh, let's see. Let's do. Oh, this is exciting. Thousands of documents related to JFK's assassination are being released. That happened Thursday. Now, historians researchers said they were just beginning to comb through the 13,173 documents containing newly released information. They include records relating to Oswald's trip to Mexico City several weeks before the assassination in 1963, his trip to Finland in 1959, the year he defected to the Soviet Union, Hmm. Many of the documents had been released previously, but now have fewer redactions or none at all. So we're still waiting to comb through to find out who really killed JFK. Spoiler alert, it was almost certainly just Lee Harvey Oswald. A chancellor at Purdue University has apologized for mockingly impersonated Asian people during a commencement ceremony. This was... Purdue University Northwest Chancellor Thomas L. Keon, and he was speaking at their December graduation. There is video. I'm going to play it in a moment. And he, I don't know what he was, he's already apologized, but he used to be a radio host, um, this guy. And, wait a minute, what is, let me see here. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I got it back. This is poorly written, guys. Sorry. So, Keon was kind of uh, using a version of a local radio host's on-air language. Uh, the local radio host is named James Dedalow. And I guess James Dedalow sometimes uh, says humorous things like making up a language. Okay. Definitely not spot-on impressions because he's probably not good enough. But he, he completely makes up the language. So, I'm going to play the clip. It's not the greatest audio quality, but you'll clearly hear uh, Keon say weird shit. Let's listen. Yes. Well, all I can say is... That's, that's sort of my Asian version of his... Uh... Trailing off. <laughs> he doesn't... He's, he just realized... You could tell he realizes, wow, that was probably stupid. Because he just trailed off and didn't say anything else. All right, um, let's see the homeless back in the news in Los Angeles, of course, with the new mayor. It's funny, at Yahoo News, there's a great article. It was originally published at the LA Times, so it's also available on Yahoo News. The article is titled, quote, A year after opening 600 rooms to LA's unhoused, the Cecil Hotel is still mostly empty. Here's why, end quote. Go fucking read through it. It is comedy gold. Basically, what all the activists are saying was like, well, the uh, the activists and the organizations that we give all this tax money to are not processing any paperwork, so we can't give out any vouchers. So again, the, the, the this is a big money opportunity. You're shoveling millions, billions of dollars at these groups, and they just sit on it. But there was one funny quote, because they, inter they interviewed one of the vagrants. Um What's her name? The 44-year-old Lakeisha Lucky got a tour. So she could get a hotel room, right? She's looking at one of the rooms. She's been living in her car for several months. And uh, she said, as she looked at one of the rooms, she said, quote, the confined space kind of bothers me, end quote. 
<laughs> I keep telling you, they don't want to be inside. Their brains are already damaged from all the drugs. They just, but, but nobody, nobody, nobody understands this. But Karen Bass, the new mayor of Los Angeles, um, is dead set on getting, she has declared a state of emergency, and her plan is to take all the homeless living in tents and put them in hotels and houses, all, of course, courtesy of you, the taxpayers. Here she is. Are you still going to allow LAPD and sanitation officers to do these sweeps of encampments? No, we, these are not sweeps at all. This is getting people to move on their own, but then after the person leaves, sanitation is absolutely going to have to be there. No question about it. But this is not coercing people. This is not ticketing people or incarcerating people. This is moving people from tents no, it's to not hotels work then. or motels. Okay, then none of it's going to work. This is a waste of time. If you're not coercing people, it's a waste of time. How many... Count dozens and dozens of stories have I done, you guys, where they they, inter they they interview people who know the best. Law enforcement, they interview activists, and they say, they'll tell you. We go out there, and we're like, hey, got a free place for you, hot meal, shower, but here's the rule. You can't fucking bring your heroin and fentanyl inside, and you can't smoke it inside. And the people don't want to go because they don't want any rules. It's been the same way. So once again, nothing's going to happen. A fucking giant waste of time. But, but hey, at least she declared a state of emergency. Uh, did you see the uh, F-35 fighter pilot who fucking had to eject? That was at the Fort Worth Naval Air Station in Texas. It was crazy. That was the F-35 Bravo Lightning II fighter jet. It was doing one of those vertical landings. And it kind of like came down hard. And it was actually on the ground. And then the pilot punched out while the airplane was either on the ground or just inches off the ground so like scary like he punched out and then you know the chute immediately opens and he's only got like about a half a second before he hits the ground um the pilot's condition as far as this article remains unknown but he, apparently he, he did live or she i want to be very i want to i want to have equity in everything i say Yes, guys, I got it. You can stop sending it to me now. I did get the story of the priorly covered, priorly, grinder cannibal. Yes, 52-year-old Mark Latunsky, who brutally murdered and ate the genitals of his grinder date, 25-year-old Kevin Bacon, not the actor, has been sentenced to life in prison. He killed and mutilated Bacon on December 4th, 2019, at his home, and he pleaded guilty in September to killing him and eating one of his testicles uh, after stabbing him in the back and slicing his throat. <laughs> Guys, got to be careful. Careful, please, on the grinder apps. Uh, what else? Where was the other one I had? I thought I had a... Uh, I thought I had another app story and I'm just I'm sorry guys I'm stalling fucking vigorously while I uh, scroll through the stories well I'll see if I can come up with it when I do my my, my top headlines but uh, a couple other stories you remember you guys remember who's Kayla Lemieux nobody famous it's a new story but that is the teacher with the enormous prosthetic breasts up in Canada <laughs> remember that one 
it's spelled K-A-Y-L-A, Lemieux, L-E-M-I-E-U-X, if you want to go, if you're not familiar. But this is the, the very disturbed biological male who decided, he taught, he taught shop in high school, and he decided to start showing up at his class wearing these fucking gigantic fake breasts with these nipples sticking out, along with wigs and all this other shit, right? Well, there's two stories about this person. Uh, one was that a protester has been banned for life who protested against David... Um, I'm sorry, Kayla Lemieux. A protester has been banned for life from the Toronto School District after showing up dressed as David Lemieux. <laughs> this guy's name is David Menzies. In October, he appeared at the school board meeting with a petition calling for the school board to be terminated over the continued employment of Lemieux. And... He how can you how can you kick him out and ban him for life? He's wearing exactly what Kayla Lemieux was wearing. Uh, David Menzies, it was it was a bit because he's a host for the conservative network Rebel Media in Canada, and uh, he decided to call himself Mamory Menzies. Did David Menzies, and he had the same fucking extremely large prosthetic press with the huge nipples. I'm looking at his picture right now. That's fantastic. He's not doing anything different. Well, that was a few days ago. So the up here's another story, though. Now, I put this out on my Twitter. De, uh, Kayla Lemieux, um, apparently, in 2021, was asked to leave a children's dance recital. A source told the Daily Mail in 2021 that Kayla Lemieux uh, snuck into the theater during intermission in Burlington, Ontario. Uh, they sat in the front row watching the children dance on stage. And there is a picture of Lemieux uh, at this children's dance recital. So it, it did happen. It's not just word of mouth. Eventually, Lemieux is confronted by concerned parents and asked to leave, guess what, as she did not have a child involved in the show. There you go. What Do I have to spell it out for you, what this person is all about? Jesus. Uh, okay. Quickly, three Michigan men have been sentenced to prison terms for aiding the plot against Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Remember that story? Yeah, I talked about it when they were convicted. They have now been sentenced. Um, let's see here. One guy got a minimum of 12 years in prison. And another guy got a minimum of 10 years in prison. And another guy got a minimum of seven years in prison. So I kind of went over that story before. So go uh, look it up more if you want to. Let's see. Do you remember the guy, the Kyland Park shooting? Yeah, this was the at the parade in uh, the suburb of Chicago, right? And that was Robert Cremo. And I should specify, the accused gunman was Robert Cremo III. His dad was Robert Cremo Jr. And he's been hit with some felonies. He's got seven counts of reckless conduct because the father, uh, the prosecutor is saying the father acted recklessly when he signed on to his son's application for a gun ownership permit. And the prosecutor says the father knew about a series of concerning episodes involving his son before he signed the gun application permit and that endorsing the application was reckless. That would be a new breakthrough. We'll watch that one. 
And meanwhile, also in gun news, by the way, a new federal rule has done little to stem the spread of ghost guns. Uh, President Biden celebrated the adoption of that federal rule in August that cracked down on the online sale of untraceable components for weapons known as ghost guns as a major step in stemming gun violence. But shockingly, the rule has done little to stop the sale of key parts. This is yeah. This is <laughs> dozens of online retailers are still selling all these core components, and you know what? There's just nothing you can do about it. There's just too many. They don't have the manpower, and as soon as you close down one, another one will pop up, and vice versa. All right, a couple other stories quickly. German police have recovered the bulk of the booty. From that $120 million Dresden Diamonds heist. Do you guys remember that? You all know I want to be a part of a heist crew. That was way back in 2019. Most of the jewels stolen from that Dresden art collection in a $120 million U.S. heist have been recovered. The 31 pieces, including a breast star of the Polish Order of the White Eagle and an ornate diamond headdress, have been secured by investigators in Berlin. Hmm. They, the return of these followed negotiations between prosecutors and defense lawyers for the Germans who were on trial for the November 2019 break-in. You guys remember that was at the Green Vault Museum. In all, the pieces stolen from one of Europe's greatest art collections contained more than 4,300 diamonds with an estimated value of more than $120 million U.S. They are still missing some of it. So, and these guys did get caught. Sad. See, if you were with me, if you guys had me, you never would have gotten caught. A San Diego doctor has only received 30 days in prison for secretly filming women inside unisex bathrooms at the Veterans Affairs Clinic in San Diego. Dude, this guy might have fucking pictures of my balloon knot, like close up. My leather sheriff's badge. (laughs) The old dark road, the old dirt road. Dr. Vincent Tran, 52, pleaded guilty to five counts of filming women inside two unisex bathrooms of a VA clinic in Chula Vista. Okay, I haven't been to Chula Vista, so maybe not. He only got 30 days in prison? He's been a doctor since 2007. He purchased cameras that look like pens. Good one. Left them in the restrooms for several months. He uh, apparently did catch two nurses inside the bathroom. Bro, I don't even get this. Like, what that that is like l- literally women in their worst possible state. Why do you think that's hot? They're not in there fucking slowly stripping off their gown and touching their titties or something, rubbing their nipples or anything sexy. They're in there fucking grunting away, dude. <laughs> trying trying to shit out their lunch. It's just nasty. Come on. Uh what else? I want to get some more audio clips because I'm starting to run out of time here. Uh, let's listen to uh, Kamala Harris. I mentioned that Africa-U.S. summit earlier. Here's Kamala Harris. Uh, she she brought out one of her old standbys that she likes to use, talking to them. So to Africa's young leaders, I say, I am an optimist about what lies ahead for Africa and, by extension, for the world. Because of you, because of your energy, your ambition and your ability to transform seemingly intractable problems into opportunities. Simply put, 
your ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been. I thank you all. <laughs> she has said that. Now, I've played that. I've played her saying that unburdened what by what has been bit like at least a half a dozen times. You think any of the African guys are like sitting there like, what the fuck is this chick talking about? Yeah, it's, uh, and and has have many African countries solved seemingly intractable problems? Because I don't know, they seem to have a lot. They seem to have a lot of problems over there. I don't know, but hopefully, uh, here is a, a clip of a white woman uh, explaining that people of color saying that they want people dead and calling them names is not racist. So let's, uh, I want to hear this explanation. I've been listening. If IPOCs stand in the street and scream at the top of their lungs, I hate all white people. I want all white people to go die. Die, white devil, you cracker bitch. Um, that's still not racism. Huh. And I don't know why people don't get that, why white people are not comprehending that. That's discrimination. It's an action that's bred out of a prejudice, for sure. Justified, arguably. But screaming, um, white people should die in my face doesn't change my socioeconomic status. It doesn't change the fact that the criminal justice system was built to serve me and people who look like me. It doesn't change the fact that my skin color won't get me brutalized by the police. It doesn't change the fact that the entire country was built to cater to people who look like me. Screaming, I hate white people at me doesn't change the fact that I am dripping with white privilege. As long as I hold the power dynamic, I cannot be subject to racism. Hurt white feelings that does not equal racism. This is not a conversation. Okay, so that that yeah, I've heard this I've heard this argument for decades now, and the argument is that yeah, black people or people of color cannot be racist against white people because uh, white people have all the power. Which first of all is absurd and ridiculous. No, we don't, and it's, it has nothing to do with that. Screaming racial slurs at somebody is fucking racist. I hate to break it to you, Tubbo. Yeah, but they'll take that belief to their grave. That uh, black people, people of color, cannot be racial. All right, guys, quickly. Last couple of headlines. Uh, we've got the uh, Qatar bribery case. I mentioned that a little bit last week with that uh, European lawmaker. That's still going on. That's that Greek politician, Ava Kali. Kaylee. She was vice president of the European Parliament, and uh, she was defending Qatar in exchange for basically suitcases full of cash. Aaron Judge's record-breaking 60-second home run ball has fetched only $1.5 million in an online auction after failing to pick up any significant bids. The funny part, because the fan is the fan who caught that ball, turned down an offer of $3 million in October. Fucking idiot. Boy, the greed. Uh, that, this crazy story. The veterinarian who shot dead the two police? This is fucking nuts. Amy Anderson fatally shot two Mississippi cops on Wednesday. The cops were concerned for the safety of her daughter who was with her. The Daily Mail says the eight-year-old girl handed her mother the gun. The little girl told a fellow guest, quote, Mama told me to give her the gun, so I gave her the gun. (laughs) This is like a suburban white woman. Fucking crazy. Yeah, she uh they the the cops were responding to a wellness check at a hotel where they were staying the, the mom and kid. The cops arrived at 3:30 a.m. Anderson had backed her Toyota SUV in front of room 117 where she was staying. She was loading items into her car. 
And uh, the cops pulled their two patrol cars, got out, and started to make conversation with her. That lasted for about 30 minutes. And then Anderson and her daughter made their way to their vehicle. And a witness said they heard Anderson tell police she wanted to leave. The cops told her she couldn't leave until they'd finished her investigation. And then she started screaming. And then within seconds, the witness said several shots then rang out. So she apparently pulled a gun when she got to her car and fucking killed these two dudes. You wonder why cops are careful. All right. 27 bodies dumped by the roadside in Zambia. They believe these bodies were migrants from Ethiopia. And they are all likely to have suffocated to death while in their migrant transit. A couple in a car have survived a 300-foot fall into a California canyon. This is in the the Los Angeles National Forest. And authorities were located because the iPhone responded to it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this happened. Her, her iPhone 14 gave her a prompt to contact emergency services through a new feature called Emergency SOS via satellite. Where, if you don't have Wi-Fi coverage, that service allows users to send emergency messages via satellites hundreds of miles above the Earth. It's pretty awesome because apparently the iPhone detected the crash. It's crazy. And then, guys, finally, I got plenty more, but I got to go to the big finish. And here we go. One of you guys sent this to me. And I have to say... At first, I thought this was fake news because I couldn't really find anything more on it, but it is a real news outlet. I googled the news outlet just to make sure it wasn't one of those spoofing WRAL News, right, out of North Carolina. Here's the headline. Quote, police, Wilson man ejaculated on women in grocery stores, poured semen on others, end quote. This is Keenan Jamal Fleming, 27 years old, was arrested. He was charged on Tuesday after being arrested with nine counts of third-degree sexual exploitation of a minor, among others. The crimes began back in October when the Wilson Police Department responded to the Walmart market in town where a woman reported she's found semen on her pants. Well, they checked surveillance video from the store. It showed a man identified as Fleming pouring a liquid onto the woman and recording it with his phone. So then he was arrested. Then his phone was searched and seized. Police discovered more videos of him ejaculating on women and secretly pouring his semen onto other women. Besides that, there were also obscene photos of children on his phone. So I'm trying to understand this. So was so he's at home? Is he like jacking it into some kind of tube? And then he just walks around, and presumably he must have just jacked it because doesn't semen usually dries up after a while, yes? So he's got his hot jizz in his pocket. Maybe he had a little warmer just to keep it liquefied. And he's going into a Walmart, and then he records himself fucking throwing the jizz on to some chick with her back turned or something like that. And then presumably goes home to watch the video and further ejaculate, maybe into another tube for the next victim. See, it's like a vicious circle. Is that what's happening here? This is one of the weirdest kinks ever. 
I can't, I looked, I'm pretty sure it's real. For the first time, I'm going to add a note onto my big finish. Possible fake, I don't think so though. You guys, I looked really hard. But tell me, you guys, if you figured it out, because nobody else picked this up, and I'm shocked that no other media outlet would pick up something this juicy. But nevertheless, they have a real mugshot. There it is. Keenan Jamal Fleming pouring his fucking jizz, flinging jizz all over you at the Walmart. Guys, that's the big finish, and that's all I got. Hey, help me out, guys. Patreon, 13 more donors. Go to patreon.com, type BK Actual into the box. And again... Uh, I'm going to take Christmas Eve off. That would be the next Saturday. And uh, But other than that, I will be busy for the next couple weeks. Big year in review coming up. You're not going to want to miss that. And that's all I got, guys. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Whatever. Happy holidays uh, to all of you. And uh, thanks so much for listening. And uh, hope you all have a great time with your families and friends this Christmas and all of the holiday season and all that stuff. So uh, I will see you when I say So I think it'll be the 28th, but I'll, I'll put out on Twitter and Instagram when I'm going to be on, if I'm going to be on the Jesse Kelly show. And then, yeah, big year interview. Guys, that's all I got for you. And I'll see you the next podcast. I need a little time for bad behavior. It looks like I've been too good for too long